politics, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm the host of the show. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking the show out. If you're a return listener, thanks for coming back and continuing to listen. The show is available on the following apps. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. If you listen to the show using one of these apps, please click subscribe, and this will allow you to receive notifications when new episodes are uploaded. You can also listen to episodes on the show's Facebook page, which can be found by searching for Let Me Bend Your Ear. Episodes are also available on the show's YouTube channel. Just search for Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. This podcast covers three different topics, politics, sports, and movies. Each episode is dedicated to one of these topics. You can also follow the show on social media. The handle for Twitter is at BendYourEarPod. This is also the handle for Instagram. If you want to email the show, the email is BendYourEarPodcast at gmail.com. If you're not using a podcasting app to listen to the show, you can always get episodes directly from the website, which is located at www.letmebendyourear.com. Your podcast. This is Frank. I just wanted to uh, welcome my brother from another mother, Chad Casey. If you've listened to the show over a long period of time, uh, you know he's come on uh, a few times uh, specifically to talk uh, NFL football. So before we even get into that, uh, welcome back to the show, Chad. It's always great to have you on. Yeah, it's great to be on. Thanks for having me again. Thank you. And before we get started, so Chad hosts uh, his own podcast that he's done for quite a long period of time, uh, has quite a big following. Uh, why don't you tell him a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, thank you. The uh, show is called Sports Car Unleashed. We cover sports car racing in North America primarily. Um, the series that races like the 24 Hours of Daytona, 12 Hours of Sebring, and a couple other regional series. Um, focus really mostly talking to the people within the paddock, drivers, team owners, crew members with interviews every show going over the news just having a good time and um we're about to have a nice little expansion in this coming week so uh we're real excited for that oh tell me about that what's going on well we are getting involved with a new team that's now about to be announced this coming week uh, okay. we're going to be doing some weekly things with them so we're incredibly excited it's it's all all the hard work that we've kind of been putting in the last 10 years on this one is really the fruit is finally ready, so it's it's a real exciting time for us on this one. That's fantastic. Glad to hear that. So, like I said, look out for that. Where can they uh, where can they find your podcast? Anywhere podcasts are available on Apple iTunes. We have it through Facebook, Instagram, all the social medias. We uh, put the shows up as soon as they come out on a weekly basis. Usually uh, th Fridays or Saturdays is when we like to put them out there. Perfect. Outstanding. All right. So like I said, if you're interested in racing, definitely check it out. Uh, Chad and his friends have really uh, gotten great access to these teams. So if you listen to it, they talk to owners, drivers, uh, everybody involved. They're, they're deep in this one. So this is this is definitely the podcast to listen to uh, if you're interested in that. So definitely check that out. All right. So let's get into what we're talking about tonight, which uh, you and I love the NFL. We've loved it forever. Uh, we're big fans of it. Uh, all things good and bad. Uh, Normally, when Chad has come on, we've discussed um, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota because it's a pretty uh, coincidental relationship. You know, Jameis went to my favorite team, the Buccaneers, and, and Mariota went to Chad's favorite team, the Tennessee Titans. So they were drafted the same year. Uh, so it's kind of a, a weird tie that they've had to the teams that Chad and I both like. So 
what we're going to do, we're going to kind of start here because obviously, you know, with James Winston, he moved over to the New Orleans Saints and didn't really play much. He played a couple of snaps, uh, actually threw a touchdown in the playoff game when they played the Bucs. Uh, and uh, now, obviously, with Drew Brees' impending retirement, it looks like Jameis may have a opportunity to start. I don't know if he's going to start ahead of Taysom Hill. They seem to really be in love with him for some reason, but uh, he may end up being the starting quarterback there. He's a free agent right now, uh, so he could sign with another team. I don't know if the market's going to be robust for him. Uh, as we go later in the show, we're gonna I'm going to talk with Chad about the quarterback shuffle because that's some that's been a crazy uh, situation this year that I've never seen as long as I've been an NFL fan, so I want to get Chad's thoughts on that. So that's basically where Jameis is now. So now Marcus Mariota, I know, obviously, he moved over to the Raiders. Um, did he play any kind of significant time at all, or did he come in or fill in for Derek Carr this season that you're aware of, Chad? He did. He played most of a game late in the season. And I, the sad thing is I watched the game, but I can't remember who it was against. But he did fill in for Derek Carr and played really well. He looked like the Marcus Mariota that we kept hanging on all our hopes for when he was in Tennessee, just letting it rip, not overthinking it, not limping around. It was, it was a really good performance. Yeah. And I know, is he, he, did he sign more than a one year deal or is he a free agent? It was a couple year deal, but there was talks. I know I saw last week that there was a very hot trade market for him. And then the next report I see is that it dried up. So Man, these trade markets, it's hard to tell what's real and what's not because these agents are getting real crafty trying to set all this stuff up now, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to we're going to I'm going to hold off on that because we're going to have a we're going to have a long conversation about all the quarterback moves because I want to get your thoughts on them because it's been for one thing, it hasn't been boring. I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. So we're definitely going to get into that because I'm going to go over pretty much every quarterback situation uh, of high profile. So we'll definitely do that. All right. So let's go into um, the Titans. So uh, obviously. Titans, one of the top teams in the AFC last season, going into this season, obviously there was a lot of uh, uh, hope and anticipation of them making a deep run into the playoffs. Why don't you go ahead and describe, uh, Chad, their season and then their playoff run. Tell me uh, what you saw that was good and what what they need to work on. Uh, the good, it's, I think that just the most obvious and the easiest one is that monster that they have at running back, Derrick Henry. That is, I've never seen a running back like that man. I mean, he is... As my oldest likes to say, he's just built different. A man who's that big and can run that fast, and he doesn't take a lot of hard hits. He's he's shifty for his size. Um, but just yeah, a phenomenal year, and it was more impressive because they lost their starting left tackle, I think, in game six. Taylor Lewan went down with a torn ACL. And then their backup tight end, our backup left tackle, he only played two or three games, and so they played most of the year on their third string left tackle. Um but still had the top three offense in the NFL. It's just Ryan Tannehill's career has just, it's been an awakening for him when he got to Tennessee. It was all that talent you heard of coming out of college. I think realize it's just, I think it's the perfect situation. That team, what they do with his talents, it's offense has been spectacular last couple of years now, since he took over the defense ungodly bad. Um, <laughs> almost set a record for a playoff team with the fewest amount of sacks this year because um, the general manager, we knew there was, and I say we like I'm a part of it, um, but going into the year, the the pass rush has been a problem. It's never been elite. And they tried bringing in Vic Beasley from the Falcons. Um, that started out bad. He didn't want to report to camp, came in late, came in out of shape, and had about as much of an impact as the you know, stay puff marshmallow, man. It just was not good. 
they also picked up Jadavian Clowney, and I thought, you know, after years of having to face him with the Texans, it's like, okay, fan- fantastic. And he was disruptive. He didn't get any sacks, but the defense was pretty good with him in there, and they lost him to injury for the year. And just, you know, unless it was third and 30 or more, they gave up almost every third down conversion. It was just pathetic. So it was... In a way, it was almost like watching a UCF game with these shootouts because they were going to give up a lot of points. So it was fun in that aspect, but if you like defense, it was it was not pretty. Um, yeah, the, no no pass rush. Linebackers got hurt. Starting corners, you know, in and out of the seat, you know, the lineup all year. It was just defensively, it was bad. And they also lost Dean Pease, their defensive coordinator from the previous couple of years. So it was it was chaotic on that side of the ball. It, it wasn't pretty. And what was their, I was trying to look it up as you were telling, explaining it. What was their regular season record this year? 11 and five. So they did win the AFC South for the first time in a little longer than forever. I think it was 2009 or eight last time they had won it. So that was big. They finally yeah. kind of got over that hurdle. Um, but yeah, they played the one team. <laughs> I did not want to see them play at home in the playoffs was who they got. And it just, it was a short postseason. Yeah. And we'll get into that in a second. Cause I, I think let's start with the good. So I think, and from looking at it from an outsider perspective, I think the things that you described, do they play a four, three or three, four defense? Both. They, Both. Um, they mix yeah, it up. I mean, yeah, it's a Brable. He likes to call it multiple. It's, it's mostly a three down lineman. Um, but they, it's it's a little bit of everything. Sometimes it almost looks like they have two. It's it's you know it's funny how the NFL defenses they're just they're not as simple or traditional as they used to be. It's, no, that's true. It's a little bit of everything. They've got a stud defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons. That guy is a man among boys out there. But it's he's really the big force. They just don't have enough beef up front. It's they're they're struggling. Yeah, no, and I think uh, to to have those struggles on defense and to and still come up with an eleven and five record, I think says a lot about the players that were playing, the coaching staff there. I think Vrabel is a is an outstanding head coach. Uh, I think, uh, like I said, if they can stay healthy and kind of, you know, like you said, fix that pass rush situation, because obviously with every team that's the thing. Yeah. Um, the two keys you got to keep your quarterback upright and you got to you got to rush the other quarterback. If you're successful in both of those areas, usually you have a pretty good team. And the fact of the matter is if they've struggled on rushing the other team's quarterback and still win 11 and five, uh, I think that there's a lot to be happy about there. And then going to the offense, you're talking about Tannehill. Um, I think he was the proof that Adam Gay should have never got a second chance to head coach anywhere. Um, <laughs> because when he yeah, was I'm in Miami, yeah, all the time that he was in Miami, all I heard about is Ryan Tannehill's deficiencies and look I even bought into it when he went in, when he signed that contract with Tennessee I'm like ooh, is that the best they could do not that Tannehill was terrible but I'm like oh I don't oh, okay I, and I didn't really expect I expected the same kind of middling play to sometimes really good uh so the fact that he's been absolutely phenomenal and actually statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the last two seasons just tells me all I need to know about what a terrible coach Adam Gase is um didn't definitely utilize him. So what is it that they do well in Tennessee with him that they didn't do in Miami? Well, Tennessee's got such a strong running game. I mean, obviously, I mean, Derrick Henry's been NFL rushing leader two years in a row, broke 2000 this year. So when they know you're going to run it and you can still run it down their throats, that's pretty damn impressive. But 
they're using Tannehill's athleticism because they they're so good on play action and his accuracy on play action passes is like top three in the NFL. He is throwing darts out of play action and you know your safeties are coming up thinking they've got career decisions to make if they're going to meet Derrick Henry in the hole or not. It's it's tough, um, but his his accuracy on play action and they do a lot of bootlegs where he can just take off and run. It's you understand that you. you you know, a lot of people forget he played wide receiver half of his time at Texas A&M. So the man is a hell of an athlete. He could just throw the ball really well, too. So it's they're just utilizing what he does well. And offensively, they just haven't beaten themselves. Derrick Henry's not a guy who puts the ball on the ground. And, you know, I'm going to be a little bit biased here. A.J. Brown as a receiver is just a beast. He is the perfect kind of receiver for this offense. And you know, Corey Davis was coming on strong as, you know, I know he was a top five draft pick, but he's been a perfect like complimentary fit in that offense. And they use tight ends so well. They've got, you know, they could seem like they find guys off the street you never heard of and, you know, hit big games at tight end. So it's, I think a lot of credit needs to go to the Arthur Smith. I mean, he did a hellacious job for two years, which is why he's now the head coach in Atlanta. So, man, I'm sorry, you got to deal with that guy because I think <laughs> he's the real deal, man. I couldn't believe the the when they were he was interviewed that he's the son of the guy the the FedEx guy. Yeah, his dad, like man. His so dad he just, founded FedEx. Yeah, it's... yeah, it's crazy. But no, no, no. Uh, I think yeah, their offense offensively, it's and that's why I think Tennessee is going to be around for a while. Because, well, let's get, let's go to Derrick Henry real quick. Derrick Henry is phenomenal. Mm. Um, he's in. It's funny because running backs, I think, over the last few years. And it's cyclical. I think it may be going back on an off cycle. Uh, running backs have been diminished as far as importance in the offense because everything is pass happy now. Yeah. But Derrick Henry is like a throwback to me, so mm -hmm. which I love. I love running backs. And he, like you said, he's got both uh, aspects. He's got the physical, I will run you over, and the finesse, like you said, to make people miss. And like you said, uh, avoid the really hard hits that could cause him uh, to be injured. He, he's phenomenal. And running 2,000 yards is phenomenal that's that's still an accomplishment and and i'm not surprised he's the one that did it and and obviously he's the engine that makes that offense go but like i said the ability and i don't know how much they run it but i'm sure with, with the ability they have to run him i'm sure play action is super effective um uh, when they're when they're running it well and like i said the fact that they're 11 and 5 with a defense that had some deficiencies tells me all i need to know about that offense uh that means that that offense is carrying them when maybe the defense is not at its best uh, so I think uh, Vrabel has created balance there. Uh, like I said, you can't help injuries. You can't help, you know, things that happen outside of that. But like I said, I think he manages it well. I think he's a fantastic coach. I think uh, he's going to be there for a long time. And I think they're going to do, you know, barring any kind of catastrophic injuries, I think they're going to be uh, there for a while. Who did they end up playing in the first round? I actually don't remember. Baltimore. All right. So they, all right. All right so you mentioned up against the Ravens. So you've got uh, two physical teams. I know they've battled each other. Uh, good, some good, hard nosed, ugly, bloody football, which is my favorite kind of football, actually. Uh, so what happened? I know you were talking about the first half. What happened in that game? Uh, just, just tell me what, what were your thoughts and, and what happened to the Titans in that game? Well, they got off to a great start. I believe they were up 10, nothing in the first quarter. And then it's just like the wheels came off. Um, they really started limiting what Derrick Henry could do. And, you know, the passing game just, it, it just wasn't clicking. And then if you don't have a good pass rush or at least a good contain 
Lamar Jackson's probably the last guy you want to be facing. And it was, they just couldn't get off the field. They'd get third downs, third and longs. And the defense did what the defense did the whole year. And just, it was like a turnstile. They just didn't do a, I don't want to put it all in the defense because the offense wasn't helping them because they had a lot of three and outs, but it was just, you know, it was a crap game if you're a Titans fan. And it's, it was, it really wasn't all that unexpected because, you know, you know me, I cannot stand two franchises in the NFL and the Ravens are one of them. (laughs) And it's every time when they play each other in the playoffs, the road team has won like of the last five now games in the playoffs, the home team does not win. And it's, you know, the whole year you keep hoping, yes, home field, home field. Ah, crap. It's got to be the Ravens. And it's just, I had a bad feeling going in and it just, yeah. Yeah, it's funny too. And and when, when I hear, whether it's the Titans or any other team, it's, and this is where the part that makes me laugh, because sportscasters around the country are, are ready to put like defenses dead as far as you can get away with winning championships without a really good defense. And um, I think the Titans really proved their defense was good, but not great. Had they been at full strength and been able to muster some kind of pass rush, I think that's a whole different game. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think and it's it makes me laugh because you know, I know it's an offensive league. I know the rules favor the offense, and I know and look, and it's fun to watch. I'm not going to lie, but uh, I just I find it funny. And when we talk about the Bucks, we'll get to defense in a minute. But I just find it funny that at the end of the day. Uh, your ability to, and especially in the playoffs, because it's different than the regular season. The regular season, I get it. You don't even have to have a very good defense in a regular season. If your defense is in the top 15 and you can score points, you're going to win a lot of games. You're just going to win a lot of games. Uh, and there's a lot of teams that that do that. But when push comes to shove in the playoffs, if you cannot stop the other team's quarterback, and if you don't have aggressive defense to to, to shut the other team down, you are probably going to lose, no matter how good your offense is. And I, and I, and I think the Titans... Uh, game and the other games that that happened in was is a perfect example of that. I think, like you said, I think if they had some semblance of a decent pass rush, uh, I think they would have, like you said, they jumped out to a ten nothing lead. So their offense was, you know, firing, and then the defensive uh, deficiencies came back to bite them. Uh, that they kind of avoided all. Like I said, through the regular season, you can kind of hide that, especially if your offense is phenomenal, like the Titans is. Mm-hmm. You can you can kind of hide that, but in the playoffs, like you said, and then it's and then it comes down to matchups. Like you said, as a fan, you knew you're like that's the one team, the Ravens, that we didn't want to play uh, because of the matchup. The matchup's bad, and even if you have a good team, sometimes you have a bad matchup. So I think the yeah. the, the defense there is going to be you know the key for them. Now going into the off season, what uh, what is in you? And I know you follow the draft and you know the college players. What, what do you think the Titans should be looking for? Where do they pick uh, their playoff teams? I know it's going to be low, but twenty two, twenty two. Um, what's their biggest need right now? Edge. Edge rusher. <laughs> edge, edge, I think that's edge. a lot of te- I think that's a lot yeah. of teams. I think if they went edge with their first four picks, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think um now the, the offensive lineman that was hurt was he is he gonna be back healthy? Is he okay? Yeah, he's he just- doing well. Yeah. Taylor Lewan, it's yeah, he's he heard it early enough, so his you know, I, I watch his podcast every now and then busting with the boys. It's it's entertaining. You don't want to watch it in front of kids, <laughs> but it is it's a good listen. Um yeah, his, his rehab's going well, so he should be back 100% coming in. And, um, again, offensive line's not the problem. They do have a bunch of free agents, so that's going to be tough. And they okay. just only got underneath the salary cap. Okay. So it's going to be hard. But, you know, I love the GM. John Robinson, 
he makes a lot yeah. of good trades. He's been he's had a whole lot more hits than misses. Mm-hmm. So it's I know the team's really hard out there recruiting JJ Watt to come back to uh, play with Vra- under Vrabel. So uh, we'll see. The problem is they just don't have a lot of money. But this year, I think a lot of teams are in the same boat. There's just yeah. with the reduction of cap, it's a lot of teams are going to be doing a lot of restructuring. I think. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think the floor is 180 million. So I don't know. They said that's going to be the minimum. So I don't know what it's going to end up actually being, but yeah, it's definitely going to be lower. I think it might be a little bit higher than people expect, though. I don't think it's it's going to be lower than last year, but I don't think it's going to be as low as people think. We'll see. I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah John Robinson, GM there, I mean, from Tampa as well. I know his history there um, uh, under Jason Light. But yeah, you've got, and that's the thing, you've got, you've got good ownership, you've got a good general manager, and you've got a good head coach. So I mean, it's going to be just a matter of of getting the pieces right there, and then I think they'll they'll be contending for years to come, which is a good place to be. I mean, obviously you want to get to the Super Bowl, but it's good to know that at least your team is not going to fall off a cliff um, as long as everything just shakes out right. It's always you know luck and and skill at the same time. So, all right, well, that then, is the dream. I'd like to have another Super Bowl party. Yes, <laughs> we watch another one together. Maybe the Titans win this one because it's been yeah, a long it, forty years rooting for these guys. Oh no! Look, I hear you. It's funny too. I was thinking about today before we're gonna do the podcast, and and it was funny how our teams are connected because I went back to the '99 season where that that um, the heartbreaking NFC Championship game that the Bucks lost uh, to the Rams, eleven to six. You know when the the Bucks defense just completely shut down the best offense in twenty years, just just but just couldn't score a touchdown. Had they scored a touchdown, they would have been in the Super Bowl against the Titans. It was so strange because it was great. I mean, at least I was able to root for the Titans, your team, you know, in the Super Bowl. And then it was weird because then my team had the heartbreaking loss and then yours had the heartbreaking loss in the Super Bowl. So it was just like, oh, my God, because that Super Bowl was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, yeah. like I said, they were driving they were driving to, 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 to try to win it, which you can't <laughs> ask for more than that. Uh, but it was just crazy how those, you know, the teams, like I said, you, that year you, you got to go to the Super Bowl. And I know. You know, when the Bucks won in, in 02, like I've told you before, like I said, I, I was, look, I was ecstatic that they got there. I just, I, I wanted them to win. Of course, I wanted them to win, but I really wanted them to win because I know how hard it is to get there. And uh, that's why I was so happy that they did it the first time. Because I'm like, if they don't do it, they may never go back. Uh, and yeah. they only have to look. And it's been, even though they, I mean, it's been a long drought for them. Uh, but, uh, so I understand that. So hopefully, yeah, I would love to have... Uh, like I said, if my team doesn't go, I'd love to root for the Titans to go. Look, plus, like I said, I think Vrabel's a hell of a coach, and I think that's a that's a great football team to watch. Like I said, they play; they're like old school, which is why I do like them. They, they have that old school mentality. They have the mentality of their coach. I mean, Vrabel was a tough player, hard nosed player, but a smart player, and that I think is, it reflects his team. His team is hard nosed, but they play smart. Uh, so hopefully, losing Arthur Smith is not a huge loss, and they can uh, just kind of keep the, the 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 motor going and and just continue on and then add pieces to make them even better. I would agree with that. I just, I just want to see him win one. That's all I'm asking. Absolutely, for. absolutely. No, I hear you. I hear you. All right. Well, let's move over to to my team, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So obviously, um, at the end of last season, um, this, there were two storylines. One, um, Jameis threw for five thousand yards and thirty touchdowns, which is in any other world you'd be like, this is phenomenal. But then the other part of the story is he also threw thirty interceptions. So they rightfully said, we're going to go ahead and move on. And uh, and get another quarterback, and they were able to uh, get Tom Brady, who was an unrestricted free agent. And we're going to lead into this after we talk about the Bucks. We're going to lead into the quarterback craziness that's going on this year because I think the Tom Brady situation kind of is an un- kind of is a start of something that I think is going to start happening 
in the NFL that you haven't re- ever really seen before as it relates to the quarterback position. Uh, but the, the Buck season was kind of weird because obviously we deal with COVID. Every team had to deal with COVID. Um, so they had no training camp, no off season to speak of, even though, you know, Brady was having practices here and there. Uh, and then, you know, no preseason. So you go into the season and then they start kind of rolling. So they're rolling, playing pretty well, a little inconsistent, but they, they get out to a seven and two record and everybody's like, all right, this is great. They're rolling, rolling. And then they midpoint of the season, they hit a rough spot. They had a terrible loss at Chicago, like awful. Tom Brady played awful. And then of course, everybody was coming out. This is not going to work. Him and Arians don't get along. All this stuff was coming out. And at the time I'm like, "Eh, I don't believe any of that. I just think they're, they're struggling a little bit, trying to figure out how to make this work. And then they played Kansas City uh, on Monday Night Football. Yeah, it was Monday Night Football, I believe, and got humiliated. Uh, Tariq Hill uh, had a personal Hall of Fame game in the first quarter mm. uh, and just ate up the Bucks secondary, just ate them up. He had 200 yards in the first quarter. It was pretty humiliating. And then uh, the bye week came after that. So then after the bye week, they never lost another game. So that bye week, whatever happened, whatever clicked, whatever they were doing, they figured it out and they didn't lose another game. Uh, and then obviously we, we know how it ended, but I think uh, what uh, the thing that impressed me is like I said, seeing Tom Brady from afar, it's, it's watching him, not even his ability, the fact that he's doing what he's doing at his age is, I mean, let's take that even off the table, just his leadership. I, when you see it firsthand, it, it is phenomenal how he raised the level of play of that team. Now, now the team was loaded to begin with, but there, there, there were still, you know, like I said, they, they, I think they just believed that they were going to win. And after they, that loss at Kansas City, they, they figured it out and just kind of steamrolled after that. Uh, I mean, they averaged 30 points a game all the way to the end. Uh, so you can't really ask for more than that. And then they got contributions from Gronkowski and, and Antonio Brown. And, you know, of course, you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and then um, Ronald Jones and Fournette. So it, it, it just all clicked. And I didn't think they were going to, my expectation for them this year was um, going to be um, maybe 10, 11 wins and uh, maybe two rounds of the playoffs. I, I I was not expecting them to go to the Super Bowl. I, I really thought that next year was going to be the year that they would have a real shot at it uh, because it would give them a full year, a full off season, uh, his second year in that system. And then I think they, I thought they were going to roll next year. So the fact that it happened this year is pretty phenomenal to me. Um, like I said, everything after that first playoff or actually the, when they beat uh, New Orleans to me was gravy because I was like, wow, okay, they may have a shot at this. Um, and then when they got to the Super Bowl, I heard everybody, you know, everybody in the world pretty much picked Kansas City to win, which I understand. I get it. One, they steamrolled them the first time, but then I, I didn't think I wasn't sure the Bucks were going to win that game, but I just had a good like you had a bad feeling about that playoff game. I had a good feeling about the Super Bowl. I'm like, they didn't they just they just beat. New Orleans and the Packers on the road. Washington, who gave them a tough fight. They, they won three road games in a row. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to guarantee the Bucs are going to win, but I'm feeling pretty good about how they're playing right now, uh, especially defensively. But then, I, like I said, and then the fact that they won didn't surprise me. Now, the score surprised me, but the fact they didn't win, that they that they won didn't surprise me. Um, what were your thoughts on the Bucs this year and what you thought they did well or didn't do well? What did, what, did, what were your expectations and what did, what did you think about what happened? I thought – all the preseason hype was just blown way out of proportion. Um, but you know, that's what the media does it every year. They, they almost went like Cowboys fans do every year. And it's just, Oh, oh this is our year. And it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was shocked about 
with everything they had to overcome with the offseason, you know, the lack of practicing and just football is so hard to get the timing right. And it's yeah. such a team sport. It's, you know, it's so different than the NBA. I mean, you, you typically can't buy an NFL team through free agency and it takes a while for them to gel and to be good. But I think it shows you how close they were, that they were so much closer than you, than they had looked under Jameis that it's, you know, once Tom got into rhythm with everybody, I mean, I, he shows why he's the goat. Um, it's, you know, I still want to punch him every now and then, but it's, he's the greatest that we'll ever see. I have no doubt about that. And just, they came on and I will say, I thought that, you know, they talked about how they, you know, they went on that streak and I think scheduling really benefited them because the last four games or so were about the easiest four games they had all year. I mean, they True. played with the, the Falcons twice who were just, you know, come on. Awful. They're picking yeah. in the top four for a reason. So I think the schedule laid out about as well for them as anybody because they really weren't challenged. So they it's they could develop that momentum and they the confidence just going through the roof. And it's they weren't they didn't face anybody who just was like a bully to just kind of physically beat them up. So I think that put them into the playoffs in a perfect position and they just got hot at the right time. Um like you, I thought I wouldn't have been surprised if they got beat by Washington because you know, I, I've got a really good friend at work who's a, a big Bucks fans too, and we were looking it up. It's it's amazing how many of times the team with a losing record in the playoffs hosting a first round playoff game wins that game. So yeah. when they got past the Packers, it's like uh oh. And then when the Chiefs lost Eric Fisher, that left tackle, I knew the Chiefs were in trouble. I, yes, I still thought they could pull it off. Yes, but I think you've realized you got to put a little bit of money into your offensive line. You can't have yeah. a billion-dollar quarterback and nobody else. No, that's a great point, and I think that that kind of fed into my confidence about the Super Bowl because they they and again the media being the media and look look and if you were going to hold a gun to my head and say bet all the money you have in the world, I, I understand why people pick Kansas City, but I think they really downplayed the injuries on the offensive line because when I heard what happened, I'm like, wait a minute, they're going to be missing two linemen, two starting linemen yeah. like that. You can't just replace that. No. Like I know Patrick Mahomes is phenomenal, and I know Tariq Hill destroyed the Bucks the first time. But I'm like, you just can't replace that two starting line. You just don't. Not, not, not any team in the league has that kind of offensive line depth where you could just lose two starters and go, okay, no problem. Like that's that's hard to do. One is hard enough. Two, I think, is almost insurmountable unless you're just lucky and have just great depth in that position. And and the thing, speaking of offensive line, and that's the other thing that I laugh too at the end of the day with, with football, you got to win the game in the trenches mm -hmm. and the Bucks offensive line after last season, believe me, there was nobody talking about what a great offensive line the Buccaneers had. I mean, they, they, they're not, you don't go, Oh, the Buccaneers off But let me tell you something. When they got hot, that offensive line was phenomenal. Tom Brady was barely touched in the last quarter of the season. Yeah. And, Donovan Smith, the right tackle, who's been taking just abuse, rightfully so, he has not been good. When he's good, he's good. And when he's bad, he's really bad. But he was, I, I had to admit, he was phenomenal the last quarter of the season. And Tristan Wirfs, um, or excuse me, Donovan Smith, left tackle, right tackle Tristan Wirfs, the rookie from Iowa, has been phenomenal. And I'm telling you right now, the teams that passed on that dude are going to regret it. That dude's a suit. That dude, I think I counted, I watched every snap this year. I think the guy made two mistakes. 
And I and I think I'm being I, he may have only made one. He didn't have a rough game against the Bears, but I mean he that's did. Khalil Mack. That's right. Exactly. So Khalil Mack, exactly. So that that was that was probably his game. That he wasn't good. He's been other than that game, he's been um because like I said, what's the biggest thing? I never heard the dude's name called at all, ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. No penalties, no allowing ridiculous set, nothing. He's played phenomenal. And then on the de- defensive side of the ball, a part of the reason I think they struggled too is they lost Vita Vea early. And uh, he is their, you know, stuffer. And when he came back, because he was able to come back for the Packers game, and the change that you could see was phenomenal in that defense. And the defense was already playing well. And in the Super Bowl, they, they, I, look, I love Andy Reid too. I'm a big fan of Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid got outcoached. Big time. He got outcoached by both Arians and Todd Bowles because they made a decision. They they said we are going to go after Patrick Mahomes and he is not going to be comfortable. And I've never seen Patrick Mahomes look like that. He looked terrible. And I know I know he was hurt. He was playing with an injured foot. Uh so there were some deficiencies. And then obviously the, I, I think they saw what what the media was ignoring. Wait a minute, they got no they got they lost two offensive linemen. Oh, we're attacking. And we're and if they're gonna beat us over the top. Then they're going to beat us with us attacking, and 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 we're going to keep. And like I said, they did. They 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 stuck to their game plan, and I think, I think Andy Reid never adjusted, which is weird because Andy Reid's phenomenal. I think he's a great coach, uh, but I think they got outcoached in that game, and I think they had no they had no answer for what the Bucks were doing. Agreed. And one of the first things I thought I, I kept thinking watching the game is because you know there was a lot of talk why Eric Bieniemy didn't get a head coaching job, and the way they just did not adjust. The whole game. I mean, it was. It just kept getting worse and worse. It's like if he interviewed, like he coached that game, I could see why he didn't get a head coaching job yet. Because that you, they were, they wouldn't change. It's your tackles are not starters for a reason, and you just the deep routes. It was. I know your guys are fast and they're quick, but you had to loosen up the defense. You had to do something, and they just didn't do anything other than what they'd always tried. And right. It's just yeah, poor Patrick Mahomes. I'd never want to see anybody take beatings like that. It's yeah, it was uh, and it was funny because as I was watching it, I'm like, I had some pride too because I know, look, the Buccaneers have have been a sorry franchise for most of his existence. Uh, I've watched most of the bad football, uh, but the thing when they got better, the thing that they've always been known for is 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 ferocious defense. So I was I, as a fan forever, I kind of took a lot of pride in the fact you know Tom Brady's there. I love Tom Brady; he's great. But I took I took pride in watching just remarkable defensive play, like whether it was the the pass rush, whether it was Shaq Barrett, whether it was Levante David and Devin White or or Carlton Davis in the, in the secondary. Just watching them dominate was uh, made me feel good because it's like that's that's what the Bucks are known for. That's what they're known for. They're known for shutting teams down when they when they play at the highest level. That's what what they've always been known for. So it was kind of cool uh, to see them dominate. Uh, such a uh, prolific offense uh, as Kansas City and really just make Patrick Mahomes look human instead of uh, superhuman, which is a hard thing to do. Well, think about the recent Super Bowl upsets when you've had these prolific offenses like the undefeated Patriots team. Yeah. They got beat twice. <laughs> How, you know, it still just irks me that <laughs> Eli Manning gets an MVP when it should have gone to the defensive line. I mean, that's just, come on. They. <laughs> made Brady miserable the whole game. They did. When the Rams were supposed to be this unbelievable dynasty, defenses just, they got after them. Yep. It's, 
you, you don't realize how important an offensive line is until you go up against a really good defensive line. And it's absolutely it's the downfall of all these teams. And you you look at it now, it's you, the, the Chiefs got all this talent, but they've got I think I heard this right. One of their five starters on the offensive line was drafted. One. Wow. It's you know, you'll you'll get a season or two. But after that, it's, you know, how many times is Mahomes going to have injuries? You look at Russell Wilson. They were supposed to be a dynasty. Right. He can't stand up for more than a second or so in the pocket. It's. Yeah, we're going to get into that, too. We're going to get yeah. into that. Yeah, that's a great, great point. And uh, so, yeah, so obviously, you know, the Bucks win the, the Super Bowl, which is phenomenal for me. And I want to get I want to sidetrack to the head coaching stuff, because I know you and I have talked about this in the past. And I actually did a podcast about it. I. I, I am still concerned. Taking Eric Bieniemy out for a second, just I do think the, the there is an issue, and it hasn't irked me for a long time regarding minority coaching hires. Um, it, it really irked me this year in particular, which is why I ended up doing a show. And I'll tell you why. I'm I'm sorry. The Detroit Lions hired Hulk Hogan to be their coach. <laughs> I, I I can't I can't Chad. Like you're gonna tell me, and like you said, Eric Bieniemy didn't have a great Super Bowl, and 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 there's other, and, and I know Salah got hired with the Jets, and I know the the guy that got the guy that they hired for the Texans, who I think is like 85 years old, um, at least, at yeah. least, and he's never even been a coordinator, and I'm happy, but you you're telling me that that, and now granted, this is the Detroit Lions, they're they're a dumpster fire, but I listened to, I, mean, I don't know if you listened to that news conference, and I know he coached briefly in Miami interim and i vaguely remember him when he was there and i know he played tight end in the league yeah i remember pretty well yeah and i'm like i'm listening to this news conference and i'm like are are you are you kidding me this guy is the best guy to hire he's talking about biting kneecaps and i'm like am i watching Uh, he was cutting a promo i'm like is this the rock or, or or is this an nfl head coach so the thing that frustrates me is, and the second thing that frustrates me is and going back to Adam Gase. So Adam Gase mm. is terrible in Miami. Now he won with Ryan Tannehill. His record was better than I think people gave him credit for. He gets fired, goes to the Jets. Now the Jets are a dumpster fire as well, but it comes out that basically everybody that plays for Adam Gase hates him. Yeah, the, I... I think Peyton Manning's endorsement on that one carried a little bit too much weight. Absolutely. Yeah, he's proven he can't get it done. I actually understand the Dan Campbell thing, I think, a little bit. Explain it to me. Maybe I'm missing something. I'm missing. You look at the Lions head coaches, all pretty normal, almost reserved guys. That, That franchise needs a culture change like you can't believe. It's, you know, you want to talk about a team that's just defeated before the draft even starts. I mean, I think they're just one of those where you know, at this point, you're not going to have, I think, your top pick of coaches for that job because it's the Lions. So yeah. I think I understand bringing in a guy who's just going to be a tough guy because I, I remember when Campbell took over for the Dolphins, it was they played the Titans the first week. And they came out and they smacked the Titans in the mouth and beat them pretty bad. And he created a much tougher culture in Miami before you know, they just went off in another direction that was mm-hmm. wrong again. But I, I, I kind of see it from that point. It's, I think you need somebody who's just, you know, that team is, they had one guy who was just 
a man among boys, Matt Stafford. That guy had more guts than anybody. But now he's gone. I think you've just. I think they needed this whole new culture from the top down to just. You know, we're gonna we're gonna stop quitting. We're going to fight. So, I, I kind of get that one a little bit. Right. Well, let me push back a little bit. So here's my thing on the Lions. Let's go back a couple of years. They had Jim Caldwell as their coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who came from Tony Dungy's staff, run a Super Bowl, um, or went to a Super Bowl with the Colts. So you had a co- you had a coach that went to a Super Bowl. He took the Lions to the playoffs, I believe, two consecutive seasons. I think, so right. I think he went. I think he went nine and seven, nine and seven. After the second nine and seven season, they fired him. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? That's the best record they've had in probably fifteen years. He wasn't good enough. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. And again, he happened to be an African American coach as well. And the thing that just bothers me is here's the thing. Will Jim Caldwell ever get – here's this other part of it that bothers me too. Forget about even the, the coaches that get a first chance like a B enemy. I don't see a, 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 these coaches getting a second chance. Here are the coaches that have gotten second chances that have been minority coaches. Tony Dungy, Herm Edwards, and um, Jim Caldwell. That's it. Lovey Smith didn't get a second? Lovey. I'm sorry, Lovey. Thank you, Lovey. Okay. I'm about Lovey. Well, I'll try to black that out. <laughs> Because it's, it, I still have PTSD over that, but yeah. yes, and Lovey Smith, so four. Thank you, everybody. Right, Lovey Smith. So Lovey Smith, so four of them. Yeah, and and I'm not sure. Let, let me take Raheem Morris, who coached the Bucks. Now his second season with the Bucks was a disaster, granted, but his first season, which a lot of people don't know unless you watch the Bucks, he took a team with Josh Freeman, who was a dumpster fire, and they had a ten and six record. That team had no business winning ten games. Yeah, they, none. And now the team laid down on him the second season. I think he was a little too young and a little too loosey-goosey. But that's a lot of the young coaches. How does this dude not get a second chance? And even with Atlanta last season, he had them playing. I know, like I said, defensively, they, they started to play better. They won a couple of games in a row once he took over after they fired Quinn. So he's he, he's not even getting interviewed. He's not going to get another chance. Uh, this is where I think the, the the problem lies. And I understand, and I don't expect, and look, this is the thing. The NFL, I think, has tried. I'm not even saying the NFL hasn't really tried. Uh, There's really no easy answer for it, but I know it's a problem. I know it's a problem because there's there's not enough. You have a league that's that's overwhelmingly African American. There needs to be more coaches, head coaches. I think there's a lot more coordinators. And what I do, what I am encouraged is I'm seeing black general managers get hired. So I think that's that's going to start hopefully that ball rolling too because the front office situation is 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 as bad as coaching, and I think there's plenty of qualified talented people. And I know the part of the problem is, is one there's only 32 jobs, yeah, and and a lot of people get recycled through. But it, it just I don't know it, it hasn't bothered me in a while because I thought they've been trying. It's just this particular year irritated me. And like I said, if I'm wrong about Dan Campbell, I'll be the first one. And I said it on my podcast. If he's a great coach, I'll be the first one to say, you know what, my bad, they made the right call. Uh, and I know it's tough. Like I said, you 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 know, owners have the right to hire whoever they want. I get all that. I get it. Uh, but I think they're missing out because I think they're missing out on talented people, and then these people aren't getting you know legitimate opportunities to to coach. Uh, but that was my thought on that. It just kind of bothered me. But no, I appreciate the thought on Dan Campbell because, like I said, when I saw that news, I'm like, because my thing with him is I don't know if that's sustainable. Like you said, they came out and, and beat the Titans. Maybe they come out and win a couple of games. I, I don't know if that style is sustainable. That's my thing with that. Yeah, it, it'll, 
it'll be real interesting to see. Can number one, do they buy in? Because I mean, you're still right. talking about grown men who, if you don't buy in, your, your team's just going to be crap. I don't exactly. Care who you are. Exactly. Um, but you, you brought up, you know, Jim Caldwell getting fired after nine and seven. It's the Titans did it to Mike Malarkey. They did. So when you can, you know, you, 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 there's so many things you don't see internally that mm-hmm. it's like. Oh guy, yeah, I, they beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, and then he's like, he's going to get fired. And I, I was like, you, how do you fire a guy nine and seven wins a playoff game, but then you see who when they get somebody who does fit right. Um, I, I can understand that. I don't think Jim Caldwell should have been fired though. But I think we're looking at it's like you can't assume all thirty-two franchises are competent. I mean, most right. you know, half of them are good, half of them are crap, and. Unfortunately, it's the only jobs that come open typically are with these franchises that are just absolute shit. They yeah. just are. I mean, do, do you want to go coach for the Jets? Oh, it's, God. What a nightmare. I mean, it's almost impossible to turn down. But talk about unrealistic expectations in the biggest market that there is on a franchise that's proven it doesn't know what they're doing. It's it's you just got to catch that lightning in a bottle and it's. Oh my God! It's you. Know, you got a bad GM, or just you know an owner who falls in love with a player, or just it's, it seems like when they start trying to just follow the fads, like oh we need to hire these young, brilliant, offensive-minded coaches because these are the hot things. Oh no, the older, experienced coaches are this year. The franchises that don't know what they're doing, they don't have a business plan themselves, are the ones that are just churning these guys out, and they can make a great coach look like an idiot. Yeah, absolutely. No, I know. I know it's a complicated situation, and. And like you said, but like I said, the, the, the Titans and the Lions are a good comparison because like you said, they did they hire Vrabel after they fired Malarkey? Yeah. Okay. So exactly. The thing is, I would be I have no issue with the Jim Caldwell firing if they hired Mike Vrabel. <laughs> like yeah. then if I go, yeah, I could see that they they felt that they needed some juice or something that was missing. And and but they didn't do that. <laughs> they they well, they it, it, for the Titans, let's, you know. Before they hired Vrabel, that ownership group was a mess. Under Bud Adams, before he passed, you know, they the, struggled. Jim Rustin, yeah. the GM they had before, drafted horrifically. The team was in turmoil. I mean, Jake Locker lasted four years. He was a first-round draft pick. Uh, it just they they missed on almost everybody that they took. It, you know, they got a new ownership group, and yeah, they took a big flyer on Mike Vrabel. But when he was hired, a lot of people were wondering, "What the hell are you doing?" He was one year as a defensive coordinator, right? And they weren't spectacular in Texas the year he was the DC. It was they were second half of the NFL, so it was they didn't hire him based on what he did. It was apparently he nailed the interview, and yeah. he was exactly what they were looking for. So, right. But to I your mean, point, it, yeah, I think those teams. To your point, I think when they hire someone that you go from the outside, wait, he's only been. Like you said, I think these co- these teams, even bad ones, they do their due diligence. I think that obviously they call around the league, and I think they talk to the team that he's at now. I think they, I think a lot of people probably vouched for him and said, "Look, yeah, I know there were some struggles with him as the DC, but that they weren't because of him. Yeah. He wasn't the he wasn't the problem." So yeah, but like you said, if he, and he, like you said, you nailed the interview, and like I said, that's why I'm gonna go back to Dan Campbell. I'm like he nailed because that's the thing I was thinking. You talk about nailed the interview. I'm like he nailed that interview really. Because <laughs> I'm like he didn't nail the press. I mean, maybe like I said, maybe I'm seeing that wrong. And like I said, if the, yeah. the Lions make the playoffs and, and he's a great coach, like I said, I'll I'll eat crow. I have no problem with that, and I'll be happy for the Lions. Because I don't like I said, bad teams. I don't. That's not fun football. I, I want as many yeah. good teams as possible. I I don't want bad team. Bad football is terrible. Who wants to watch that? I don't. Yeah. I want to watch two good teams play each other. Well, I wonder if certain franchises look at it and 
you know, if they're taking a realistic look at their franchise and say, look, we don't have the talent to be good for a couple of years. What's going to draw butts into the seats? Yeah. You know, maybe a guy who's as entertaining as he potentially could be. I get it. Is a way they kind of fill it in. Cause it's... I get it. That's a good point. No, I, and I get the business aspect of it. Look, I mean, even with the urban Meyer hiring in Jacksonville, mm. I mean, we, we can talk <laughs> about that. So, Oh, oh, you know what? I'm going to stop. Go right ahead. You, the floor is yours. <laughs> uh, shocking. Um, actually, as a Titan fan, I'm kind of grateful that that was the hire because a couple years, he's going to retire again. He just, mm-hmm. it's what he does. Right. Um, college coaches, it's, it's, it's tough to make oh, that tough. jump of telling yeah. kids what to do to telling a grown man, oh, you need to do this. It's Yeah, Steve Spurrier. You just even Nick Saban, and Nick. It's funny with Nick Saban too. I think that there's some revisionist history there, and I'm and I'm, I'm not a big fan of Nick Saban because I don't like how he left Miami. But his record in Miami, he was not. He had a good record there. Yeah, it wasn't and bad. He, yeah, and the problem was they didn't they didn't clear Drew Brees. Yeah, he does. If Drew Brees is there, he doesn't leave. And I think Miami's incredible, but they just were scared of his shoulder injury, and then he goes to the Saints. Yep. So it made him go to Alabama and then Miami be not good for a while after that because they were scared. And I get it. Cause he had a bad shoulder injury. I get it. Yeah. But, if you're taking a quarterback, you take the guy with the knee or the shoulder. It's... Yeah. Yeah. And they went with Culpepper, right? Is that the one with Culpepper, yeah. right? Yeah. They went with Culpepper. So yeah, exactly. So that, that, yeah, but Nick Saban, I hear you, but you know, I, he, he, he wasn't there long enough for me to even go. He was good or bad. Like I said, I don't like the way he left. That's why I'm not a big fan of Nick Saban. I don't like the way he left. Well, see, I can challenge you that one because I could say Bobby Petrino was at the Falcons even less, and I could say without no doubt that guy sucked. True, but that was that was more obvious. Yeah, he oof, he was a God. piece of crap. That was a mess. That was a mess. Yeah, that no, that was definitely a mess. And look, Greg Schiano with the Bucks, same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was great at Rutgers. Yeah, he was terrible with the with the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers, to your point earlier, they they went the opposite of Raheem because Raheem was too loosey goosey. So what did they get? They got a drill sergeant, and all the players hated him. Yeah. So that's right. so. To your point, what bad franchises when they make bad decisions? But you get a good franchise, or you know, one that gets you know, you get the right GM with the right coach, like Seattle did. Yeah, yeah, you can make it work. But I think Pete Carroll's just—he's so the exception to the rule in this one. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny how how that works too. And that's how crazy the NFL is because you would, if you were to go down the list of coaches. So if I t- gave you a list of now, granted. It's tough with Pete Carroll because he won a bunch of national championships at USC. But if I gave you Pete Carroll, even Bobby Petrino, who was really successful at Louisville, mm-hmm. Bobby Petrino, Steve Spurrier, um, we'll see what happens with Urban Meyer. It, you you would probably pick Pete Carroll as the least likely to succeed because he had failed already twice in the NFL with yeah. the Jets and with the Patriots. Now, the yeah. Patriots, he, he was okay. He, I shouldn't say he failed. That's probably a little harsh. He actually won there because he had Drew Bledsoe. Didn't do well with the Jets at all. So he was a two-time fired coach. So you you would there's nothing to make you think that he was going to do anything there. But like you said, there was a perfect storm of things that happened, and you know they they pay Matt Flynn a bunch of money, and then you know Russell Wilson comes in. Nobody has ever heard of him. By the third practice, they're like, oh, okay, well Matt Flynn won't be starting. <laughs> well, I think in Pete Carroll's defense, they were so used to paying for the best college players to go to USC that yeah, you know, I don't <laughs> think the NFL was much of a transition. Exactly. All right, so let's go into yeah no you're right. So I'm going to go into this the, one of my favorite things that's happening this offseason. And to go back to Tom Brady for a second, uh, you know Tom Brady. There's been all the speculation about why he left. I think it's pretty simple. I think there's two reasons he left. 
One, he had no talent on the Patriots. And he was carrying them himself. And he was tired of doing that. And I think, secondly, I do think they took him for granted. And I think he got annoyed with it. I think the last couple of seasons, he got annoyed with the fact that they just took it for granted that, one, he was going to take pay cuts. And, two, that they were not going to maximize getting dynamic players on offense to help him. And I think he was done. Uh, so I think those are the two reasons he left. But what I think that it started, I'm starting to feel, and I kind of like it actually, the, the quarterback shuffling this offseason has been phenomenal. Usually this is like kind of the slow time for the NFL, like waiting for the draft or yeah. waiting for free agency actually, because that's going to come first. But let I'm going to go, I'm going to go all around the league because this is insane. Let's start with the Jets because you were talking about the Jets. So you got Sam Darnold. Here's my thoughts on Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold has the potential to be a good quarterback. I do. Yeah. He's, he's, has he played some bad football? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I do think he's in the middle of a dumpster fire. And I don't care if you put Tom Brady there or Joe Montana there. I don't care who you put there. I don't think they would play any better than Sam Darnold. And I think they're, and I think, and what I've heard, hopefully the Jets are going to get smart. And what I've been hearing is they're really conflicted about what to do with the number two pick. I think everybody assumed that they were going to move on from Sam Darnold and pick a quarterback. I'm not sure that they've sold on that. I think they're seriously considering keeping Sam Darnold, and I don't think that's a bad decision. I don't think so either because you look at – because you know they're not going to get a chance at um, – what's his face out of Clemson? Um, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, yeah. The kid out of BYU, he looks spectacular, but – I don't think he's the sure thing. Justin Fields at Ohio State. Ohio State's not been a hotbed of NFL quarterbacks. The kid out of Alabama. Did anybody know his name after you know before week six of this season? So not me. I, and you're, I'm with you. I think Sam Darnold is a hell of a football player, and he was under the worst guy for a quarterback that he could be for three years. Yep. So I'm with you. I, I'd rather build up the rest of the team. I mean. If nothing else, trade out of the pick and start building. You've got so many deficiencies all over the team. You could trade back spots five or six, still get the best tackle in the draft, acquire more picks. You need depth. You need talent. Because Can you name an offensive player besides Darnold or Frank Gore? Nope. I mean, I know Brashard Perryman just because he went to UCF. That's it. And I like to think I know a little bit about this league. So... That team is just a hot mess, and I'm with you. Keep him. You got so many other things to build, but I think what makes it harder is look what the Cardinals did. I mean, I did anybody think they dumped Josh Rosen after a year? But it worked. Yeah, so but I, I think, think that's, that's the what puts a lot of pressure on. But yeah, I mean, yeah, right. you're picking number one, and you got a talent like that kid. Absolutely, you could do it. But I don't think there's that transcendent quarterback sitting with the number two pick. You know, if Trevor Lawrence had slipped. Okay, may, you know, same. Thank you, but you're gonna have to see your ghost somewhere else. Yeah, Sam Darnold yeah. off the board. It's and I think that's what killed him is he was probably joking around, having a good time as a kid would do, right? And he, it's just it's haunting him. No pun intended. Well, look, here's the thing about Sam Darnold. The ironic part is I think they should keep him if they end up moving off of him, and maybe the best thing that happens to him. Oh, for him, it would be fantastic. Yeah, it'd be fantastic. But I, I think. Uh, like I said, but I do think, like I said, I'll give the Jets a little bit of credit from what I'm hearing. I think they're actually really conflicted about it. I think they're actually not sure if moving off. I think a month ago, they would have totally moved off Sam Darnold without even thinking about it. I think now they're really conflicted about it, which is good. That shows me that they're thinking it through 
if they end up moving on, that's fine. Hopefully that means that they feel that the quarterback that they're going to pick is going to be much better and be a franchise quarterback. Uh, so we'll see what happens. So, yeah, and uh, we'll see because I think I think they should keep him, but we'll see what happens. So let's go to a trade. Let's go to the, the first one. I'm going to go to Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford. So my perspective, so obviously the Rams wanting to move off of Jared Goff was probably the worst kept secret ever because the Rams were pretty much blatant that they wanted to move off of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the timing with Matthew Stafford basically seeking a trade, and then they made that move. Uh, Detroit got a lot of uh, got a lot of capital a along ton. with it, a ton. <laughs> so they, they they you know to give the the Lions some credit. Hopefully, they're going in the right direction. Let's start. We'll leave Stafford second. Let's start with Jared Goff. Why do you think it didn't work in Los Angeles with him? I was never really sold on him coming out, and I loved. I mean, that was the year the Titans had the number one pick. So because of that trade, they got Derrick Henry and a couple other beasts who are still massive contributors to that football team. Um, it's, I don't know. I, th- I think he's a good quarterback, but I just don't think he's that guy who can take over games and win. And I think Sean McVay got a hell of a lot of flack for it. You know, he was supposed to be the next big thing. They were going to be a dynasty, remember? Yeah. And it just didn't work. And he kept getting beat up and injured and, I just, I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but I don't think he's ever going to be top half. And if, you know, if you could, if they want to win right now, which is what the Rams always seem like they want to do the way they trade. And I don't know how they absorb these contracts, but they got a hell of a bookkeeper up there to keep getting through the salary cap like this. But yeah, why not take a chance on Matt Stafford? Cause the dude still got a rocket arm back there. Yeah, that now let's go to Matt Stafford. So yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, McVay is looking for more dynamic playmaking from the quarterback position in the offense that he runs, and I think Jared Goff was just never able to execute consistently enough, uh, obviously for for his liking. Uh, but I think Sean McVay, obviously, he's the the guy with the power at that at that place. Uh, but he's taking a flyer on Matt Stafford because my thing on Matt Stafford is I I, I think he's a tough guy and I think he's physically talented but i'm not gonna lie i'm not a hundred percent sold on how good he's gonna be in la um i think is he an upgrade from jared goff yeah i think he's an upgrade but i don't know if he's the upgrade that everybody thinks he is that's where my thought is on that i could be absolutely wrong this could be we could see matt stafford taking it up five or six notches that he just wasn't able to do in detroit and if that happens i wouldn't be stunned but i'm not i'm not as sure that he's going to be that much better than jared goff i could be wrong but uh i think there's going to be an improvement there but i'm i'm curious to see how he's going to do in a different situation i'm with you i i think he's he's a bit better but i don't think he's that many draft picks better it just right. what they gave up to get him was that's what's floored me. Right. Who maybe the thumb injury on Goff is a lot worse than we know. Maybe they just don't think he's going to come back from it. I maybe know. who knows. And like you said, the the Rams, uh, kind of like the Bucks last year, the Bucks were all in. Um, the Rams are all in, which I don't have a problem with. They're aggressive. But what I will say is, if they're Sean McVay, if he's wrong on Matt Stafford, I think he's in trouble mm-hmm. because then the owner is going to start going, dude, we just gave up all these draft picks. Because you said you needed Matt Stafford. Um, to me, and I, this may be hyperbole, if they don't get to the Super Bowl, I, I think they're going to start looking at him sideways. Mm-hmm. I think well, they're going to start going. It. Go ahead, finish this, your point. Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say, yeah, I think they're going to look at him. And like I said, 
and I don't even know, I don't even know if NFC Championship game would be good enough. Um, I think they're going to be like, wait a minute, dude, we did that with Jared Goff. We got to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. <laughs> yeah. Now, what's would what they gave up for Matt Stafford is surprising. If they had given up the same for either Russell Wilson or Mister Watson, mm-hmm. I that I could see. Yeah. But for, yes. Yeah. And we'll get to them next. Yep. Yeah, for Matt Stafford, exactly. That's it. But like I said, I think I think what happened here is, and I'll get you know I can't believe I'm giving the Lions credit. I'll give the Lions credit. The Lions had leverage. Yeah. They had all the leverage because think about it. Matt Stafford helped them by saying he they didn't. It, it was a win win for Detroit because they were Matt Stafford said, "Hey, look, don't send me to a shitty team," and they they, they did him a solid for all the, the loyalty he gave them. But then that helps them too, because it's like, oh, you want to go to a winning team? Okay, we can do that. And then they go to LA and go, look, dude, we got other people that want Matt Stafford. So what you going to give us? Because mm-hmm. we know of the other teams that are calling, because I think San Francisco is interested in Matt Stafford, but they're still okay with Jimmy G. The problem is LA was not okay with Jared Goff. Yeah. And that gave the Lions the leverage. That was and, the anti-Matt yep. Millen move right there. Exactly. So to give the Lions credit, they they had leverage and they used it. Now, let's see what they pick. They pick a bunch of jabronis. Then it'll be the Lions as always they are, wasting picks with jabronis. <laughs> but at least now they won. They won that trade to me. They won that trade easily. Yeah. You know, like I said, and they, and they get a they get a a very they get a very good maybe not a great quarterback, but they get a good quarterback. Yeah. You know, they and they're, they're not going to be starting over a quarterback. So good for them. All right. So let's go. You know what? Let me start with the Texans because oh, let, let's 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 talk about the Texans. Okay, I don't e- I don't even know Chad where to start. I I, I don't even know where to start. No. Let me start. Let me start by saying this: everything Deshaun Watson is doing right now, I have absolutely no problem with. Zero problem. I don't even I don't care that he signed a contract seven months ago. I don't care. This guy Deshaun Watson has been a model citizen. Dude came from nowhere. I know Warwick Dunn was one of my favorite players just off the field too, was his mentor. Yep. This guy, for him to be this angry, I I, I don't doubt, I, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with him saying, I'm not playing for you anymore. And I'm going to sit out. And let me tell you something. I know he's fully prepared. I don't know. I sure that he, he will sit out the season if they don't trade him. He yeah. is not. He talked to the coach last Friday and said, nice to meet you. I'm not playing here. <laughs> that dude don't strike me as a guy that just talks out of his ass. No, He's done. Cool. So now Houston is going to be Houston because if Houston was smart, they would trade him immediately because the longer they drag this out, the less leverage they're going to have. Yeah. Because once they figure out that he is not going to play, he doesn't want to be there. And from what I'm hearing in this, this organization is a dumpster fire. Well, here's the thing. Even last season, and I know some people are fans of Bill O'Brien. I, w- I never understood why he was there as long as he was there. I'm like, yeah, I know they went to the playoffs, and I know they won a division. But when I watch that team, I'm like, that team should be way better than they are. Yeah. With the te- and, then, and then, like I said, they traded DeAndre Hopkins last season. And I'm like, what are you doing? So I think that's what started the ball rolling for Deshaun Watson. You traded the dude's number one target, and and, and not and it's not like you. I would have been okay. He's an older receiver. I would have been okay if you traded him for something. You traded him for like a hammer and some nails. 
Mm-hmm. So you trade. So you basically said, "Bye, we're done with you." When he was still performing at a pretty high level, he was yes. the number one target. And I'm like, "What are you doing?" And then the coaching hire. He was told Deshaun Watson was told he was going to be consulted about the coaching hire, and then he wasn't. They lied to him. So this is not about money. This is not about him wanting to flex. This is about, dude, you guys are liars. And I don't want to be here anymore. And I have zero problem with it. Yeah, I'm with you. Typically, I'm not a big fan of somebody doing this. Like, you sign a contract, you play it. But this is, this is, when you have J.J. Watt reaming the team, is, is there's so many problems there that it's, that guy's just being wasted there. And yeah. Bill O'Brien just – mediocre coach. I, okay, I get that. But the, the player personnel moves are just – what do you do? What they gave up from Laramie Tunsil. And oh. just do, – do they have a first-round pick in the next decade? Because they just I, keep trading them away. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a mess. And I knew – because I knew your thoughts on that. I know you're a big believer in, you know, you sign a contract, you play it, you you, you, you be upstanding. And, and – and I figured you would have a different opinion here because, like I said, this this is not some some diva quarterback. This is not exactly. some guy that frequently. This is not Terrell Owens. Yep. This is an upstanding franchise quarterback, and and it, it, it's just. And then apparently, this the second thing is, and I'm doing the research on the Texans. So apparently, uh, Jack Easterby, who is the <laughs> president of football operations has an illustrious football career that consists of being a chaplain with the new England Patriots and, uh, some kind of massage that I don't, I, some kind of weird other thing that he did before he became the vice president of football operations of an NFL franchise. He never played in the league. He never coached in the league. He never had a front office job as a scout as an assistant GM, as a GM, anything football related. And he is the vice president of football operations and apparently has the ear of Cal McNair, the son of the, of the, of the owner that passed away, the original owner. And this guy runs everything and he has no football knowledge, none. And this guy's running the team. And you hire, yeah, you hire a coach that's, uh, and look, Bruce Arians is 68 years old, but he's got 40 years of coaching behind him and Super Bowls as an assistant. Yeah. Before he got the, before he went to Arizona and was coaching the year twice with two different teams. This guy hires Cully, who I'm sure is a nice guy and has been coaching for a very long time from what I see. He's never even been a coordinator. And you hire no. That guy seemed more like a PR move because it was just getting worse and worse and worse. It, their incompetence, I don't think it knows any limits. Un- it's, it's unbelievable. I, 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 so the thing is with Deshaun Watson, I, I don't. They're they're going to trade him. There's there's no way. I I even think they're they're smart enough to go at some point. They're going to do it way too late. But I think they're going to go. Look, we got to trade him because I, they're playing chicken right now and they're going to lose. Because I totally, I, I, because there's no, Deshaun Watson loses nothing sitting out a season, but money, yeah. which he he's fine. beating for a full year, which I'm exactly. sure that wouldn't suck. So you get a healthy, yeah, you get a Deshaun Watson that, yeah, exactly. He loses nothing but money. And let me tell you something. This is a guy that he's not money motivated. So 
Him losing a year salary, he don't care. He will sit on the year and say, "You, you want to play this game? All right, then you keep me. Then I'm gonna be. I'll be at home, and you can find me." So th- they're gonna trade him. So the question I is, hope so. the question is, where do he see go? So now let's go to Seattle because I think this is an interesting situation. Now Seattle, Russell Wilson. You know, you and I have talked about Russell Wilson. I have a lot of respect for Russell Wilson. I think he's a transcendent franchise quarterback. Now, but ever since he's been in Seattle, there's been this weird dynamic there um, where I think they don't really appreciate him like they should, in my opinion, looking at it from the outside. From the beginning, when they were the Legion of Boom and they were winning, you know, there was rumblings that a lot of people didn't like Russell Wilson on the team, that they thought he was fake. They thought he was a phony kind of dude. And people were talking about him behind his back or anonymous sources telling the, so there's always been this weird dynamic between the team and Russell Wilson. And I think it's funny because now this is happening because now that he's making rumblings about, Hey, I don't want to be traded, but here's the four teams I would be traded to if you want to trade me because he has no trade clause. Like coincidentally, just like Deshaun Watson does. But I think Seattle is about to become the Detroit Lions. Because if you let Russell, unless uh, I put this caveat, unless you're getting Deshaun Watson in return, if you're not getting Deshaun Watson in return and you trade Russell Wilson or you make him so unhappy he wants to get out of there, Seattle becomes an irrelevant franchise again. That's my opinion. Yeah. Quickly. They become an irrelevant franchise. And I don't understand what the whole, uh, frankly, I don't even give a shit. You have a franchise called, you've had the best player. He's the best player the Seattle Seahawks have ever had. And it's not even close. And I don't care about Richard Sherman either. He is the best player the Seattle franchise has ever had. And you're going to make this dude unhappy. Like you've made him unhappy, I think, over a longer period of time than we've known about because he's just not that dude until now. And what I think the the, the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks are looking around the league now and it's becoming a little more like the NBA in the sense that quarterbacks are like, yeah, I don't like the situation that I'm in. And it's not because of money. So you can't say, well, they're just greedy and they want more money. No, 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 no. They want to win. And if they're in a situation where they think that, that their team is not doing what they can to win, they're starting to open their mouth about it. Like, you guys are clowns. Contract or not, I'm trying to win. And I think Russell Wilson is saying, I'm trying to win, and you, you're playing an offense that doesn't suit my strengths. And when I try to when I try to suggest stuff, you blew me off because there's a story in the athletic, a really good story. Basically, one of the I think it was a Thursday night game. He's he had some suggestions, and the coach is like, "Get the fuck out of here, get out of here." He's like, "What? Uh, who are you talking to? <laughs> who do you know? Do you remember who I am? I'm the guy that before before you got here, before I got here, Pete Carroll, you had a losing record in Seattle. I'm that guy. I'm the guy since we've been here." We won a Super Bowl, should have won a second one. Remember, I'm that guy. So I don't know who you think you're talking to. So he's flexing right now. And again, just like Deshaun Watson, I have no problem with it. Zero. And maybe he gets what he wants there and they change it up and he doesn't leave. I don't think he's ultimately going to end up leaving. But Seattle ain't helping the situation. What do do you think about that? That one, because it's the parts I've heard and I haven't read a whole lot about it because I'm still trying to decompress from the football season. Yeah. Is that it it's just not got any offensive line help. And that's just been the crux of where all this is coming from. It seems like it's you know, you look at his plays and it's he's always running for his life. 
he was like, it's like Patrick Mahomes week in and week out. Yep. The thing I question is you see, you know, like Patrick Mahomes, I think it's only going to get worse in Kansas City, is the quarterbacks with these massive contracts who absolutely deserve it, but you've got finite resources in salary cap. And if the quarterback's taking up 35, 40, 50% of the salary cap, you're just not going to have the help in front of you. And I think you go back to Tom Brady all the years in New England. Was he ever a top 10 paid quarterback his whole time in New England? Oh, no. He was I don't middle, think he ever middle of the pack. Was, yeah, middle of the pack. Which is why, you know, you could build talent around him. And I think Seattle's made a lot of mistakes. You know, they've had higher draft pick linemen who've just not panned out. But I think you're going to see more and more of this keep coming up because, you know, Deshaun Watson was always running for his life. And you get rid of all the talent he did have. Russell Wilson, he's making receivers who are good look like all pro. But, you know, the guy is looking out his ear hole every third or fourth snap. So it's, you know, I think he's almost a victim of his own success, which is he's got this massive contract. Where else are you going to find these linemen? You're not, you're not going to get three or four first-round draft picks on your offensive line because you can't afford them with a lot of these big quarterback salaries. I think you might see in a couple of years, you're going to have to go back to these more moderate contracts. So you could have a better team rather than an amazing quarterback who, you know, could do a Patrick Mahomes and get you a Super Bowl, but you're not going to be the dynasty. Everybody claims you're going to be, because you're just going to get the hell beat out of you year after year. Yeah. And I think that's a valid point. And I think, and it's funny because I have a mixed, mixed thought about that. Uh, and I know Tom Brady's kind of an outlier. He's, he's, he's sacrificed salary uh, to be all in on getting people around him. And, and I agree with you. I think, you know, Russell Wilson's got to take a look at, at his contract and go, okay, that's part of the reason. But I guess for me, because I'm all, I'm all about, I'm, I'm pro player as far as players getting their money. I mean, you can't, you play in this league. If you look, the average life in this league is three years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with Russell or any quarterback breaking the bank. Uh, you're right. There is a price to pay, but I think to, to, to take the other side of that, um, Russell Wilson or any other quarterback should go, my job is to win football games and do it at a high level and you need to pay me accordingly it's your job to figure the rest of that out yep it's your job to get me linemen that i that the salary cap's not my problem i'm not the gm i'm not the capologist i'm the quarterback so i'm doing my job and i think this is what russell wilson is saying i'm doing my job that you're paying me a lot of money for and i'm doing it at a pretty damn high level do your job get me linemen that don't get me killed yeah and and let me tell you right now, the Buccaneers offensive line, let me give you a perfect example. You've got a rookie right tackle. The highest paid player on the line right now is the center, Ryan Jensen, that they got from the Ravens. He's He was the highest paid center when they signed him. I don't know if he still is or not. Then you've got left tackle Donovan Smith, who's about to, I think he's going to be a free agent or they may extend him. He's moderately paid. Um, and they had Kappa coming. So they've got a pretty, they don't have a high priced offensive line. And yeah, are they the best offensive line of all time? No. They just won a Super Bowl though. So they fit within that team well. Exactly. Exactly. And that's yeah. and that's why yeah, exactly. You you can make an offensive line work without having to pay every single person on that line max dollars. Maybe one guy on that line is going to make max dollar whether it's the center or the left tackle. Uh but that's that's my only pushback on that. I agree. You know, he's got to look and say, "Well, my contract is eating away at getting other players." I think that's a valid point, but then like I said, I would say, "Look, that's not my problem." Because, and this is my thing, why I always defend players in the NFL over other leagues like baseball or the NBA. There's no guaranteed contracts. 
So I'm not going to about to give you any sympathy NFL teams when you can cut a guy any second that you want. Yeah. Russell Wilson tomorrow. They would take a dead cap hit, but they would they could cut anybody. So don't come at me with, well, you should be more. Give, no, no. My job is to maximize my money and to help us win. Your job is to get a team around me so we can win. You do your job and I'll do my job. So that's my thought on that. But yeah, I think you're right on the offensive line. Definitely. That's what's killing them right now. And I think for Seattle, they've, they miss a lot on offensive players in the draft. Yeah. I mean, they take flyers on running backs every year. Like they're taking this guy in the first round. Like nobody else has heard of him before the third round and they miss a lot. They've hit a lot on defense, but yeah. their talent evaluation on offense in the early rounds has just not been good. And it's, it's been killing them. They just haven't found that offensive line that does what they do well. I don't think they've got a good, you know, a true identity on offense. I mean, I think it's easier to find a good lineman later in the draft who's a good run blocker. It's usually they struggle in the pass blocking. Well, it's hard to get, you know, a sixth round pick who's going to be a great pass blocker when if that's what you're going to be doing all the time. I, I think, you know, I think most of the blame is on the Seahawks front office. Is just their talent and evaluation offensively. Outside of Russell Wilson, I just don't think it's all that good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, I think you're 100 percent right on that. All right, let's move to the other big trade, quarterback-wise. Our boy Carson Wentz mm. <laughs> to the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, yeah. So um, let's start with Philadelphia first, and then we'll go to the Colts. Um, <laughs> another team that's gone from pretty respect. This is this is a weird one, though. It's kind of like the Seattle situation. From a highly respected front office coaching team, obviously they won a Super Bowl beating the Patriots, to – a dumpster fire in about two and a half years. It's a crazy story. So I know with Carson Wentz, I know there's been a lot of rumblings kind of on, on the higher level than Russell Wilson. There's been this weird dynamic ever since Nick Foles took over and won the Super Bowl that year, even though, you know, Carson Wentz played, you know, MVP level football that season before he got hurt. And uh, I think there's been rumblings where he doesn't get along with other players. He's not coachable. That kind of at first you're like, ah, whatever. And then it just kind of boiled over when he was benched for Jalen Hurts this season. Um, I don't know. Carson Wentz, I think, is – it's funny. I, I kind of have the same thing about Carson Wentz that I do about Matt Stafford. Obviously, Matt Stafford's been doing it a lot longer uh, at a pretty high level. And I think Carson Wentz has played for a shorter period of time at a high level. But I don't know – I don't know if he is a franchise quarterback. I, I'm not sure. I, I think he has all the tools to be one. But I'm not sure. I don't know if he's got the right makeup for it. That that's my thought on it. What do you think about him uh, as a quarterback? Even before we talk about the Colts, I've always liked Carson Wentz. I think everything's there. And that year he was, they won the Super Bowl. I mean, God, that guy was lights out, wasn't he? It, MVP level, I agreed. But you see how he, you know, great. I mean, I think you and I have both seen firsthand. You've got a tremendous athlete of a quarterback who can play, but just they get the yips or something and just there's something gets in their head and they're just never the same. And I really wish he didn't go to Indianapolis cause I like him and I want to root for him, but I can't do it if he's going to be a Colt. So <laughs> oh, I'm no, really hoping fair. this continues on cause I am tired that's of fair. transcendent athletes and quarterbacks in the AFC South. I've been dealing with these SOBs from every franchise for the last decade and I'm sick of it. So it, it pains me to kind of root against him, but because I, I like the dude. I think he can play. And it'll be real interesting to see, can Frank Reich fix him? Because that seems to be his guy. Yeah, I mean, it's this guy. Yeah, I agree. And I, the thing with him is, I think, and, and this is just a, a, an observation on his play, not even so much his makeup. 
I think the thing I've noticed about Carlton West, I haven't seen him, I haven't seen him play a lot of football. I don't watch Philadelphia, but I, the thing I have noticed, and I've seen other people comment, I agree. I think he puts himself in harm's way too much. I think, and I, and I, and I don't mean that even as he does it, I think as a tough guy, like when he got hurt on, when he went into the end zone and that one, I even would allow, I mean, if you're trying to go into an end zone and score a touchdown, you get hurt. I, I don't have an issue with that. Uh, but I think there's other times where he's trying to make a play where he doesn't do the best thing to protect himself. Yeah. And I think that's something hopefully that Frank Reich, to your point, will fix because obviously he's been injury. And I don't want to say injury prone. I think he's had some unfortunate injuries um, that have knocked him out. I don't think he's an injury prone dude. I don't get that vibe from him. I just think he's just had some unfortunate things happen. But Frank Reich, I think, look, the thing with Indianapolis is, is it's funny. Indianapolis and the Titans are very similar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, very good, <laughs> very good. No, right. Very good GM. The owner's kind of, which is weird because the owner's kind of a loop, kind of loopy, but uh, oh, he's, he's an better. Yeah. Yeah. So he's loopy, but Brian Ballard's fantastic. Um, Frank Reich's done a great job there. They've got a very good defense and they've got offensive weapons. Um, they don't have, obviously they don't have, they have a good running game, but obviously nobody compares to Travis Henry, uh, but they have a serviceable running game that would help Carson win. So I think they're, they're a lot like the Titans. They're well-coached, they're disciplined, they don't make a lot of mistakes, and they have the ability to score. Uh, so I think if he can fix Carson Wentz, then I think the Colts are pretty um, formidable. Um, I still don't think even with Carson Wentz playing at his best, I don't think they're better than the Titans, especially if the Titans shore up what they need to shore up. Uh, but they're going to be right there. Uh, so I, I, like I said, I'm, but I'm not sure about Like I said, Carson Wentz, like I said, I saw a lot of phenomenal, but I saw a lot of bad too. That, that's the thing with him. Like even with Matt Stafford, I've seen mostly pretty phenomenal. Some bad, but mostly really good. Uh, Carson Wentz, I've seen some really, really good. And then some, especially last season, he was bad. Yeah. Like now, he wasn't the only part of the Eagles that was bad. They've had in, they've been racked with injuries, and that's an understatement for the last two seasons. So I get that part of it. They've been decimated by injuries. and But he's played some bad football. Like, Yeah. I think that's fair because yeah, their offensive line has been taking a beating. Their receiving core, my yeah. God, they're they're bringing in yeah. guys. I think I played receiver one week. Yeah, I think I was yeah. playing one week. I started. I think they tried to get Vince Papali back again. <laughs> see if he might give it another go. Yeah, um, so that's bad. Yeah, I think he. It wouldn't surprise me either way he goes. He could be all pro, mm-hmm. or he could just he could wind up like our boy Jameis and Marcus. It's yeah. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, it's crazy. It's 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 crazy. But I, I do like I said, it's exciting to to listen to. Like I said, this is a this 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 quarterback stuff has been phenomenal. And I think we're going to see a trend. I think with high level quarterbacks, not you know not with with you know mid range, but the, I think elite quarterbacks are going to start becoming more vocal if they're in situations that they feel is not conducive to winning. Uh, because it's kind of like the NBA has done with when people team up. Because it's not it's not about the money. They're all rich. So you can't even go, well, they're just being greedy. It's not even about the money anymore. Like they're starting to, which, and actually on a level, I kind of respect, I respect the fact that they go, you know what? I'm not just going to sit here in the city and not win. I want to win. I'm already making all the money. I want to win. I don't want to be in a situation where I've got, like you said, an ass hat for a coach or an ass hat for a GM or an ass hat for an owner uh, during the best years of my career when I'm playing at a high level and I'm the only one pulling my weight around here. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's tough because the last thing I want to see is the NFL turn into the NBA where just right. teams are you know buying a championship that year. It's man. Well, I don't think that know. won't happen. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen because as long as the as the NFL is a salary cap league, I don't think that's going to happen. 
Yeah, I think this is a quarterback specific situation. There's there's not going to be because let's take the Buccaneers. I'm sure people that don't know the Buccaneers are going to are going to say, well, they bought a championship this year because they bought Tom Brady and Gronk and AB and Fournette. And I'm like, oh, that's fine. They, they, but they, they, they added free agents like every team does every year, and they had a pretty full cupboard of players last season. That team went seven and nine and should have won ten and ten and six at, at minimum. Uh, had Jameis thrown ten less interceptions, they would have been in the playoffs. So I don't think there's going to be there's not going to be teams because there's a salary cap. So you can't because if there wasn't, then you would be right. Like Jerry Jones would just buy a championship team every year if that was the case. Well, I'm convinced he'd still screw that up because you know, Dallas. <laughs> but that's what I love about the NFL, and I agree with you because that's the thing: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, small market team, win the Super Bowl. Uh, Green Bay Packers are always a contention because they're both have Aaron Rodgers. Um, and small, any team could win a Super Bowl. Yeah, look, even your look, your Tennessee Titans. Even though look, they've gone to a Super Bowl, they didn't win it, but they got there. And don't and tease me. Yeah, but they're playing at a high level. They're they're a good. <laughs> they're your team, and I know. Look, and I know, but look, at least you know your team is not a dumpster fire and that's half the battle. Yeah. That's half the battle. It, the, the rest of it is, is some skill, some player acquisition, some luck, and, and hopefully it gets to the end. But like I said, I think, I, I think it's, I do. It's fun for the quarterback derby. I, I like the fact that quarterbacks are going, you know what? And I think that's the only position that can get away with it. You're not going to have a left tackle. Well, let me take my left tackle is pretty important. You're not going to have a free safety going, well, I'm not going to play. No, 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 no. no that's not going to work. This yeah. is only the Tom Brady's of the world. It's the Russell Wilson's of the world. The Deshaun Watsons of the world that can force their way out of a, of a out of a place. So I don't think really it's going to change the NFL landscape that much. And and most of these guys, because the stat I always, which I actually love too, half of the NFL right now is undrafted. So you get, and I love those stories. I, those are my stories. You have guys that weren't even like they were they were off the heap, and they they because of hard work and perseverance and never quitting, they make NFL teams and make careers out of their. Uh, football life, which is always, I love the fact that half the league is undrafted, which goes to show you how hard it is to be a GM. Because all these guys that are, that are, you know, graded high in the draft, half of those guys are going to be gone. Because yeah. half of the league is undrafted. Because those are always those guys that you see on, that's why I love Hard Knocks. That's one of my favorite shows. I don't even care what team is on Hard Knocks. Like, I love the the guy that's trying to be the the fifth offensive lineman that went to a school that nobody's ever heard of and he was a walk-on because three other people got hurt and dude gets into the nfl those those are my favorite stories i love those stories because i love i love seeing guys and that's and the nfl is really that league that's why i think i love that that's really a league of earning your way in like you can be talented you could be look look at all the jeff georges and the marinoviches of the world and the and the josh gordon's now with the drug you talent isn't is not enough everybody's talented Everybody's talented. It was funny. I saw an interview with, um, what's his name? Tony Gonzalez, the, the tight end, former tight end, Hall of Famer. And he was asked, uh, how, what's the percentage of players in the league that try their hardest? Like football is everything. Your boy said 5%. Which actually I was surprised when he said that. He goes, 5%. 5% of the guys in this league are all about it, 100% committed, he goes, the majority of you guys are just floating on talent. Yeah. And I was actually shocked when he said that. He goes, I, I see it all the time. And then they don't last long. They float on talent and they don't work hard. He goes, 5% of the league works hard. I was like, damn. But that just goes to show you when you're that talented, everybody's talented. You know, the worst, like I said, the worst team in the NFL could beat the best college team. I still believe that, even if it's the Texans. 
<laughs> I still think they beat Alabama. I don't care. I don't care. I think they're going to stress it this year, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it may be a close game. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout, but I think they still – look, because even a team like the, a bad team in the NFL, they would have never let a college team beat them. Just just the pride alone wouldn't let it happen. Wouldn't let it happen. They as would long win. as Bill O'Brien's not coaching, yeah, I think so. <laughs> You're absolutely correct. Yeah, maybe this new guy would be better. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm trying to think. Any other quarterback situations that, are, that I missed? I think I got them all. Is there anybody well, else? That's the, the Chicago's that's looking for a quarterback. I know that. Yeah. And, well, the one that you hear a lot is – Everybody seems to want to go to Miami. What does that do to Tua? Oh, Tua. No, yeah, your wife loves my oh, – I can't believe I forgot about that. Let's talk about that. Thank you. Tua. So what was your thoughts on Tua last season before they drafted him? Were you as high as him or not? Because there was mixed, kind of mixed on him. Forget about even the injury. Did you think he was going to be a franchise quarterback? <sighs> I thought the talent was there, but the part that always scares me away is – Quarterbacks coming from a dominant program in college almost never make it big in the NFL. And I've, I've talked to my oldest Brandon about this several times and you know, friends at work just, you know, just shooting the crap, go through the whole NFL roster and how many of those guys, when they graduated, were like top five programs in college. Absolutely. Sean Watson. Mm-hmm. Who else? That's no, that's it. No, it's funny because, like I said, I think these guys, NFL quarterbacks. That's the other thing too. I agree with you. They these these guys from look. Let's let's go through the list of everybody else. Carson Wentz, where did he go? North Dakota FCS, State. Yes, yeah, South Dakota. South Dakota. Look, look, I didn't I didn't even remember which Dakota. Mm-hmm. So Carson Wentz, who's a, who's a franchise quarterback. Jared Goff went to where? Cal. Cal, big school. Not a, not a huge school, but big school. Yeah, uh, a good program, but they're not top ten. Oh, Europe Patrick Europe. Patrick Mahomes. Texas Tech. Texas, well, what? Texas Tech done since he was what? there. Didn't Bobby Knight used to coach there for a minute? I don't even remember. Yeah. How's that a football power? Yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Mitchell Trubisky, who I didn't even get to him, but he went to North Carolina. Yep. That's not a football. I mean, Mac Brown was there for a little while, but that's not a football power. Nope. And he's a starting quarterback. Russell Wilson transferred twice. Yeah. NC State and Wisconsin. Which yeah. one you want to take? Wisconsin. Yep. Good program, but they're not yeah. dominant. Yeah, and I'll take Tom Brady. He went to Michigan, but he never started. Barely yeah. started. And that's so he wasn't Michigan, even a starting quarterback. They weren't challenging for national championships when he was there. Nope. No, you're absolutely right. It's Deshaun, it's Deshaun Watson and, and it Stafford. used to happen. Yeah, it used to, and Matt Stafford. You're right. It used to happen more frequently in the 80s when I was watching college football, especially being in Florida. Yeah. Benny Testaverde in Miami. Um, these these quarterbacks from big schools were um uh, where did Troy Aikman go? Well, UCLA. UCLA. But that he was at Oklahoma. Right. So, but UCLA, big school, but I mean, bigger school guys that were performing at a Hall of Fame level uh, at quarterback. But yeah, no, now, absolutely not. Absolutely. It's these guys that have had to, again, to my point about undrafted people, it's these guys that fight and, and play it smaller. And like I said, I think what they learn in these smaller schools, because to your point about a big school, if, and, and I think even I'll put Trevor Lawrence, even though people say he's going to be the next coming of whatever. You're throwing to NFL caliber talent all through your college career when you're at Clemson or you're at a huge school, and that helps you out. That doesn't mean he's not talented. That doesn't mean he won't be great. But same thing with Tua. You're throwing to NFL-level talent all over the field. Someone like Patrick Mahomes is throwing to not NFL-level talent. So he's got to carry these teams. And the thing about Patrick Mahomes, which is why he slipped to the Kansas City Chiefs, was their record wasn't even that good. Yeah. Because I remember the knock on him coming out. is like, he didn't really win a lot. Why are you looking at this guy? Mm-hmm. So even as talented as he was, he couldn't carry them to to be a, a a power or at least a 
winning team uh, in college. So, but I think these guys come even either with a chip on their shoulder or getting used to being the focal point of making their team win. So when they come to the NFL, I think it's less of a transition than you would think. And when these guys come in from Alabama or Michigan or wherever the big college they come from, they're used to like, this, this shit's easy. Then they come in here and go, oh, everybody's good here. We're not, yeah. you know, we're yeah. not playing Moorhead State. Everybody's look good. Look at Tua and Trevor Lawrence and those guys. There's one, maybe two games a year with the guys on the other side of the football are as good as the guys on their team. Yeah. Maybe. You look at Josh Allen, remember, oh, amazing arm, but he's got horrible accuracy. That guy carried Wyoming yeah, for years. And you look at him now, it's like, holy crap, this kid is good. Now yeah. he's actually got equal talent. These guys who carry the team, once they get equal talent, my God, it's almost like it's easier for them. We're like two of they almost regress because like what he's used to wide open is a guy being open by 15 yards. If he's got 15 inches, he's got to be able to fit it in there. And that's what I saw at the end of the year is he was so timid. Like he was so afraid of making mistakes. And it's the exact same thing I saw with Mariota right. that he wouldn't pull the trigger. And you see Fitzpatrick come in. It's like, dude, screw this. Just wing it. Boom. Yeah. Making stuff happen. And he's got all the talent. But I think he's just you know, you come from these programs, you're so afraid of screwing up. And I've seen stuff on his family. This kid's got a ton of pressure coming yeah. into this. It's, I'll be surprised if he is as successful as he should be. I think he's going to be a lot like Mariota, unfortunately. Yeah. That's unfortunate because he seems like he's a good kid. And, and, and I know I've seen that too. I, I've seen him play. It looks like he plays tentative. And I think, like I said, and that's all about your mindset. Like I said, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, he's, he's settled into the late part of his career. Uh, he's, he's living the good life. He's living that life. He's living the no pressure life. He's like, I got no pressure, man. I know. Was he ever different even in his first year? I don't think he ever cared. No, I don't think he (laughs) ever cared. I went to Harvard. I could do anything I want. I'm good. He, you know what is, you remember when you and I used to joke about, uh, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Obviously he's more talented, but he's, he's the personification of what you and I used to talk about is like, God, I wish I could just be a backup quarterback. Yeah. I don't ever want to see the field. I'll hold the clipboard and you pay me a million dollars a year. Like that's, that's the life. And he's, I think he embraced, like, he's like, you know, I'm going to start, I'm going to play my best. I think he wants to be a starter. I don't think he's that laissez-faire about it, but I think as his career has been, he's been willing to move around. He's been willing to, he's a smart guy. Obviously, like you said, Harvard, he's smart enough to go. I think he, and I give him a lot of credit for this because it, it takes a lot of putting your ego in check and a lot of self-awareness, but I think he's gone. I could work an actual job or I can move around. I'm a little frustrated that I don't get to start as much as I want and people turn on me, but I'm making a lot of money and I get to play football. Mm-hmm. I think he's, and I give him a lot of credit because I think that's, you have to put your ego away. Cause look, I get ego being a part of being a quarterback. You have to have it. You have to think you're the best guy out there, regardless of who's behind you. And I think he's settled into that role. Maybe like you said, he's always been that way, but I think even now, so more than ever, he's just enjoying football. Yeah. Does he want to be the starter in Miami next year? I'm sure he does or anywhere he would go. Absolutely. He doesn't want, I think he'd rather start than sit on the bench. But I think he understands his role. He's a good teammate. He's a smart guy. And uh, I think he's just embraced it. I give him a lot of credit, man, because that's – look, I think he's going, I'm living my best life right now. I could be I could be roofing. I could be doing a job where I hate. Mm-hmm. If my biggest annoyance is they're going to pull me and pull me in next week and maybe pull me the week after that, you know what? I'll be okay with that. <laughs> yeah. It's – yeah, I don't think he's got a care in the world. Is he? No. If he doesn't play football, he's got to go home to, what, 50, 60 kids? Exactly. He's almost up there with Philip Rivers' level of kids. So Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I, and I think it's weird because, yeah, with two, uh, I, I think 
I think they're at the point now that they're going to either move off of him or if they can't find anybody, then they're just going to go with him next year and keep Ryan Fitzpatrick there and just roll it back again and see what happens. And hopefully he get look, look my hope for, for him would be that he would get better second year there. Um, maybe more confidence. I think Ryan Flores is a hell of a coach. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think he's going to break the Belichick has shitty assistant streak. Um, and I actually, he, I'll already has. Take, he already has actually, I'll, I, and I'll put Mike judge in there or judge in there from, um, from the giants. I think Joe judge has actually done a really good job with the giants. Um, yeah, cause that's, that's a pretty bare cupboard up there yeah, too. Yeah. They've got a lack of talent and they play, they play hard as hell. I mean, I, I, like I, I saw the Bucks game. I've seen them play other games. I admire the way they play, man. They play, they, they play for that coach. So I think those two Belichick assistants are going to break that streak of crappy assistants. Um, so I think Miami's in a good spot. So we'll see what happens. And so there's two, that's right. And then I know Chicago, the thing about Chicago is I'm, I'm not sure, forget about the quarterback for a second. I think Mr. Trubisky's terrible. And they they should have never drafted him, and they could have either had Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. So Ryan Pace is an idiot. Mm. Um, I don't know and why they, they traded up to get him. Remember? Yeah, they, and they traded up. Yeah, they overdrafted to get him. And I'm like, for what? I, I didn't understand that. Um, and he's played up and down. I'm not saying he's been terrible, but he's 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 more bad than good. But here's my issue. I I, I hear mixed things on Matt Nagy. So I, I, I the the people that love him say, look, he's played had that team play better than they had any business playing because he's a great coach. I'm thinking, I don't know. And like I said, Mitch Trubisky doesn't help, but is, is Matt Nagy really a good coach? I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know it's... either. He gets a lot of love. Like Frank Wright gets a lot of love, rightfully so, and the Colts are a better team. But Chicago's defense is championship caliber, I agree. I think if they had an offensive match at defense, they would be scary in the NFC. But he's an offensive coach. I'm like, I know Mitch Trubisky's not great, but I still think they should be better than they are. He shouldn't be benching his quarterback if he's that good at it. It's... Yeah, that's the thing. That's where I'm weird. Maybe I'm wrong. Like I said, I think, like I said, I hear a lot of people talk him up, but I'm like, I, I don't see it. I don't. I don't but know it's also tough because the Bears. I mean, because my you know Brandon loves the Bears, so he I getting a lot of information from him. Their best offensive linemen tend to get beaten the hell up, and losing Long this past year that was tough. But the receivers are. I mean, they've got some good guys, but they don't have that that true number one, I think receiver. And they might lose Robinson, right? Is he a free yeah. agent? Yeah. And Robinson's good, but I don't think, you he's know, elite. half the teams, he's the number two guy. Right. So it's, right. I think they're hurting for weapons on the outside. Yeah. Trubisky hasn't helped himself with his play. It's very inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's been inconsistent. And like I said, but again, I think Mitch Trubisky, I don't even blame, like he is who he is. I'm like, you drafted this guy. What do you, Maybe he should have been drafted later and then started, you know, sat behind somebody and came in later. But I'm like, you drafted him over Mahomes and forget about even Mahomes. Let's say you had your over Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Like you would have, I'm like, I, I, that part I can't, I can't even understand that part. I'm like, this is not even hard. Like, what, what was the knock on Deshaun Watson? That he won too much? I mean, I don't even know what the knock on him was coming out of college. I, I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah, he won for four years, and that's I think with Trubisky is he had one good year, but it was one year. One, yeah, yeah. Achilles like Smith had one good year. Yeah, he, but here's the thing: he had one good year at North Carolina. Yeah, like if you were telling me he had like to the Mac Jones point in Alabama, if you're telling me he had one one good year at Alabama or one good year at a place that was playing high level competition that he dominated, I'd be like, okay. I mean, I don't know if I would draft him that high. But at least there's something there that you saw that you're like, oh, this guy could be special. I'm like, I, I don't, 
Yeah, I mean, that was just a t- look. And the thing is, Chicago, I think, is in a bad spot because I think it's the quarterback musical chairs. They may be the one with the chair left not left because they're the problem with Chicago is it's kind of the same thing as, as the Rams to even a greater degree. They're desperate. Sean McVay is not about to get fired. I think Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, if they don't make a deep run in the playoffs next year, I think they're done. Yeah. They're they're done. So they need a quarterback now. Or they need Mitch Trubisky to figure it out if they don't. Because if they don't get another quarterback, they may be stuck with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles again. And if they are stuck with those two, they better figure it out. Then Matt Nagy needs to show what a good coach he is then and figure it out. It's not a lot there to be optimistic about. Yeah, no, I, I think, like I said, unless they can pull it, like I said, unless they can, unless they get to Shaw Watson, they figure that out. Uh, then I think it's a, it's a whole new ball game. And I'm sure, you know, your son will be happy. <laughs> yeah, he'd be. Uh... <laughs> okay, well, let me ask is, how did he become a Chicago Bears fan? My mom's from Indiana, and she grew up a Bears fan. And oh, she, I didn't know that. When okay. he was little, she always had Bears stuff, and he just gravitated ah. towards it. Nobody in my family, Sandra's the only one in our household who's, we're all from Florida, and she's the only one who even likes a Florida team. So That's fantastic. No, up. I love that. No, no. I, look, everybody has different reasons. Look, I. When I was when I came to Florida, I was I was I didn't watch football until I got to Florida, and I watched the Bucks. That was the year the Bucks went to the Super Bowl or to the NFC Championship game in '79, and uh, you know, so I was a football fan. But then, of course, in the '80s, of course, the Bucks were putrid. So I, you know, I rooted for the Jets and the Giants. Some of my favorite games were the Jets Miami games, Ken O'Brien against Dan Marino. Yep, those games were phenomenal. It was like, yeah, each one of them threw for about 400 yards. <laughs> the final score was 38-35. Those games were fun. <laughs> I used to love watching. Oh, they were super entertaining. That was good stuff. All right, I think that's uh, any – am I missing any other quarterbacks? There's so many. I think that was in Chicago. What other team is looking – that's on the cusp that's looking for a quarterback? I think that we got them all. You hear – well, the Falcons, are, there's a lot of talk about them in the draft just because, you know, Matty Ice is Matt 70, Ryan. 80 or so. Yeah, Matt Ryan. So, yeah, that's a good one too. I mean, you got, you got Arthur Smith there. Um, does – and this is an – does he run the kind of offense that's conducive to Matt Ryan's skill set? No. See, so that's my first question. Because Matt Ryan, but I think again, what made Tanny Hill so effective is he was incredibly accurate moving in the pocket, bootlegging out, right? Yep, and could take off for that 10, 15 yard run. It just you, the linebackers had to stay in coverage, but you know, Tanny Hill would just take off because that dude can still run. He still runs like a receiver, right? So, and Matt Ryan's more of a pocket passer. He is very traditional, I would say, yeah. So that tells me one of two things. That tells me in the interview, either Arthur Smith said, I like Matt Ryan, but I'm going to run the offense that I run. So he's either going to have to figure it out or we're going to have to get another quarterback, or he's going to adjust what he does to fit Matt Ryan. Now, that may all be predicated on whether they can get another quarterback or not. So he may be forced to do what Matt Ryan does well. And if he's a good coach, I'm sure he'll be able to do that. But that's probably what's going to happen. I think uh, if they can get somebody else, they may. But if they if they go on with that, I mean, so Matt Ryan's not the worst choice in the world either. And I'm sure Arthur Smith, if he's as good as coach as they say, I'm sure he'll figure it out. Because you know what it is? I think the Arthur Smith situation could be the Sean McVay situation. I think um, if he's a really good coach, I think he may have Matt Ryan for a couple. Because I know Matt Ryan's cap hit is pretty big too. Uh, yep. He may he – may, deal with Matt Ryan for a couple of years and get him playing at a high level and have the team winning because he's a good coach while he's waiting for the guy that he needs to make his offense dynamic. That's what I think might happen because if they start winning now, nobody's going to care anyway. 
So that may be what ends up happening unless they pull off some way to get a co- – or like I said, if they draft a quarterback um, that he thinks is going to run his offense better. But if they don't, I think they'll just try to roll with Matt Ryan, you know, let his contract run, and then, you know, try to find somebody more dynamic to, to run maybe what he ultimately wants to do, maybe more than what he did, you know, more like what he did with Tennessee. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think the quarterback they would even want is going to be sitting there at number four. I think they're right. picking at four. So and at the, every, the Titans, when Arthur Smith was interviewing for jobs, they were very – I mean, they were pushing for him to get a head coaching job. Everybody yeah. who's played for him loved him. I mean, when your dad founded FedEx and they said he was the hardest working coach wow. in the group. I mean, yeah. he – Variable was the fourth head coach. Yeah, the fourth head coach he worked under because he was there under Mike Munchak. Oh, and I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know he said that long. In. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he started out as like the assistants, like the guy who'd run like the special teams cards and stuff. I mean, he worked his way from the bottom. Oh, see, I love that story too with coaches. I love guys. Well, my, my favorite, yeah, the quality control coach. You know, you're just, you know, drawing a play. Yeah, I, I love that story. That's great. I didn't know that. I didn't know he had the history with the Titans. Yeah, and everybody's like, your dad founded FedEx. What are you doing here? It's like, that's not my money. This is what I do. Yep. And to, to have that work ethic and nobody heard of him. If you were outside of Tennessee fandom, yeah. when he became the offensive coordinator. Cause you know, when LaFleur left, you're like, Oh crap, what are we going to do now? They're giving it to the tight end coach. Right. Like most people didn't know his name and it just yeah. two years. You, it's hard to find a better, more consistent offense, especially in the red zone. My God, they were good in the red zone for two years under him. So I love that. See, see, that's, that's fancy. See that stuff I love. And that's, and that's what I love too, because I love, like I said, to, to coaching hires, not even just minority coaching hires, like guys like this that that are talented. And like you said, it, it's kind of like the players. I mean, he's talented, but the fact of the matter is it sounds like he's going to outwork everybody. Not that people don't work hard, but, you, you know, like to the Tony Gonzalez point, apparently he's a lot the 5%. of people. Exactly. He's the 5%. He's the, he's the guy that's going to be like, no, man, you may be more talented than me, but you're not going to outwork me. And that's, that's the thing. And that's, like I said, that's, that's what gets you in that league. It's like, look, I don't have the most talent, but you will never outwork me. Mm-hmm. It's great. Well, I'm happy for him. I hope it works. Like I said, unfortunately it's with Atlanta. Uh, so hopefully they come in second in the division. I can root for that. <laughs> <laughs> they could be 13 and three every year, as long as you guys are 14 and two, right? You got it. You know how it goes. Just like you can't root for Carson Wentz as much as you like him. I get it. I get it. Yeah. God, it was hard not to root for Phillip Rivers this year. Well, at least until he put on the blue from the Colts. <laughs> Yeah, let me like tell you, Philip Rivers. I gotta, you know what, Philip Rivers. I, I, it's funny too because I don't. He was on the West Coast. I didn't really watch him play. I mean, I think he's a great player. I didn't. I don't have a. I don't watch a lot of Philip Rivers games because you don't get them. I let me tell you something. He went out on a high note to me. Yeah, a great season. Like he could have just been. I thought it was going to be because when he went over there, I'm like, oof. I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, not that I thought the Colts weren't going to be good, but I'm like, change of scenery, new offense. He's not. He's not a young man anymore. He played phenomenal. He played phenomenal in the playoff game. Yeah. Yeah. So he went out. Look, I think he retired going, you know what, man? I left on a high note. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to play any better than that. So, yeah. He's been one of my favorite quarterbacks since that draft. It's, I mean, you remember he played in the playoffs with a torn ACL, still played the game. Oh, uh, look, what I, what I loved about him actually was when I found, and I only found this out a couple of seasons ago, that he's the, he's, He's the biggest trash talker, like in the league, which I, I just I don't know why yeah. I love that. It's just like he, like he just talks so much shit. I'm like, wow, that's I don't know why I like and that. He won't like that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and he won't do it exactly. He does it artistry. Yeah, he does it intelligently. He goes, no, I can do it. But but like I said, when I hear all these defensive players, like, oh yeah, who's the worst? Oh, Philip Rivers, man. He won't shut up. Like, do won't shut up. 
and I like because it surprised me. I think that's why I liked it because I'm like Philip Rivers, really? Yeah. That, that I was like him. He's the biggest trash talker. I'm like, all right, fair enough. But yeah, he uh, he he ended. He had a great career. I mean, I think. Um, I know there's some debate if he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's an issue. I don't know if he goes in first ballot, but I think he will go in. Yeah. I um, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you can dispute his level of play. Uh, like I said, he's he had he unfortunately he had the misfortune uh, of being on a on a on a team on a franchise that had some chaos there for a while. Um, ownership they were kind of cheap, so he was kind of a victim. He's kind of like the Matt Stafford situation, Probably not as bad as Matt Stafford because yeah. San Diego had some success. I mean, shit. They're 14 and two. Speaking of Marty Schottenheimer, rest in peace with him. He was on that, you know, that 14 and two team. Um, that was early in Philip Rose's career. And then inexplicably, Marty Schottenheimer got fired after that season. <sighs> the Chargers, man. Anywho, but yeah, but uh, great career for him. All right, man. I think we covered uh, everything, unless there's any other NFL stories we want to talk. Oh, wait a minute. You know what? Draft. Because I know nothing about the draft, and you are pretty good with it because uh, I don't. Like I told you last year when I did this, I, I don't care. I'm not going to lie. I, I just don't. I don't. It's the one thing as an NFL fan, I don't. So who do you think is going to be – let's take Trevor Lawrence out because everybody thinks going to be number one pick. Who's the guy you're looking at, regardless of team or, or position, that you're going, this guy looks phenomenal? Hmm. That's a good one. I don't think – I think this is a deep draft. Yeah. What but positions? There's, uh, thankfully, a lot of people say there's a lot of pretty good edges and outside linebackers. Okay. Um, good receiver class again. I don't think as good as last year's receiver class. Right. But another good one. I don't know if there's as many like difference maker guys. I think you've got guys who'll be Pro Bowl, mm-hmm. but fewer All Pro kind of guys this year. Because you look at Trevor Lawrence, I mean, he's going to go to Jacksonville. There's a reason they're always top five. Of course. That's going to be tough. I mean, that's just, they're always in chaos, thankfully. Um, I don't. Let me throw one name because it's just not because I know anything. I literally heard it on a show. Actually, speaking with the Jets, if they decide to keep Sam Darnold. Tight end Pitts from Florida. How is he? I saw some video on him. He looks... Like he's pretty dynamic, but what do you what are your thoughts on him? If you know anything about him, I've seen him play a little bit. Usually, while I was waiting for the UCF game to come on mm-hmm. or something, that guy, if he goes to a team that uses him the right way, right? If he goes like what the Patriots used to do with their tight ends, I mean, this guy can run. He's massive, mm-hmm. but he runs like a receiver. It's, oh, okay. That That's why they're talking is, about him then. Yeah. But again, so few teams use a tight end the right way. You know, you look at those kids that came out of Iowa a couple of years ago. They were supposed to be fans. You know, one went to the Lions, one went to the Broncos. You're not hearing about them much because they just, they went to bad teams. Yeah. So. Oh, the Broncos. Not to digress. Another team that needs a quarterback. Because Drew Locke's not the answer. <laughs> well, I don't think they're going to get an answer while John Elway is there. And I don't understand how a guy who was one of the all-time he stepped, greatest he stepped aside, figure though. this out. He did step aside, though. He gave up his power. He's yeah. He's got a different role now. So there's somebody they – I forgot who they hired. But he did step – he's not away from the team completely, but I don't think he's going to be making those decisions anymore. So, yeah, he's not – he struggled other than Peyton Manning, which is a no-brainer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Drew Locke is not – and I've heard some not flattering things about him 
in general, not just his play at quarterback, that he doesn't, uh, that he's, I heard that he's cocky, which I'm like, what are you cocky about? Yeah. Well, I don't think he, he, he strikes me as a guy that's not putting in the work, which is like, you don't want that getting out there. No. That's, that's, that's the one thing you don't want getting out there. First one in, last one out. If it's not other than that, then that's bad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. But, yeah, you're right. So, the tight end from Florida, like I said, I saw some video. And I was like, damn, he's 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 big. He seems like he's fast. So, but, I mean, I think the tight end is – and I love the tight end. I came from the old school of Mark Bravaro, um, you know, all the good tight ends that, that they used in offense. Even Antonio Gates, if you want to go back a little more recent, who was phenomenal with the Chargers. But uh, – I mean, you got Travis Kelsey, you got Gronk still playing. Um, what's, what's the other tight end I'm thinking of? Kittle. Thank you, Kittle. Phenomenal. I think he could be at that level if he goes to a team like they have. Well, that's the thing. I think, and I know the Jets. I don't know if that the Jets pick. I don't know what they, they pick two. So obviously he won't go at two. But uh, like I said, if they keep signing Darnold, if they gave Sam Darnold some targets. Uh, <laughs> Well, right I think there, they that need helped. to get him somebody who can keep him upright. Let's start there. True. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. If they keep him, or actually, it doesn't matter because if they get him, if they draft the if they move off Sam Darnold and draft the quarterback, they still need to get a lineman. They got to keep that guy upright. Whoever's going to be I really think their best move is if they can get somebody who falls in love with either the kid out of BYU or Fields from Ohio State. Move back five or six spots. Get your little king's ransom. Yeah. And that should you're be still easy gonna to get do. a blue chip guy. Yeah, yeah. That should be easy to do. All you need is one team. One. Yeah, because what the Panthers are desperate for quarterback too. So yeah, there's uh, yeah, there's a lot Teddy Bridgewater's pissed. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater yeah. is pissed. He's Poor pissed. I, I feel bad. Good dude. And uh I know, yeah, I know they're looking to move off of him. Look, because the thing is with the Panthers is which is, I mean, I feel bad for Teddy, but like I said, they've they, their new owners are super rich, aggressive. He's a super aggressive dude. So he's going to be that guy that goes, I'm not going to sit back. If, if if we need to move on, we need to move on with Teddy Bridgewater. I don't give a shit. Yeah. We need to get better. And look, and on some level, I respect that. Look, if you're not trying to win a Super Bowl, then why are you even on the team? So yeah. I, I, on some level, I respect it. But like I said, when it's, a, when it's a dude like Teddy Bridgewater is a good guy and it played, you know. But I think, unfortunately, with Teddy, I think the offense that Matt Rule wants to run, it's kind of the same situation. I think I think it's a mismatch. I think, I think uh, his limitations physically – inhibit what Matt Rule wants to do. Because I do I think Matt Rule is a good play caller. Like I said, I watched him play the Bucks and then like I said, they had some some wrinkles in their offense that I thought were pretty good. Um but Teddy Bridgewater, I don't know if it's the right guy to, to pull the trigger on that offense. I think that's where the problem is. Yeah, I agree. I think you you've we've seen so many cases where you get the right guy in the right system and it's that they're in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. But you get a great person on the wrong team or in the wrong system and they, they look god awful. They look bad, yeah, or or, or they or they look inconsistent. So what you get, not even bad, you just get the, which is almost even worse sometimes. Because when somebody's bad, you go, "Oh, the guy sucks, get rid of him." It's almost that that is a James Winston situation where some mm-hmm. games he looks like Joe Montana, and in other games he looks like he's never played football in his life. Yeah, that's what I think. It's like because oh, it's like, oh, I, I know he, I know he has the talent. I know he has the talent. Uh, but he just threw his fourth interception today. <laughs> yeah, and those are like you know, we talked about this. I think last time it's the worst one to deal with because you keep hanging on to think, I know he can do it. He's, yeah. I've seen it, and then it's just it shows up every third or fourth game, and it's just maddening. Yeah, and like I said, you have, and like I said, you you have, which is what's great about the NFL. You have you have very little margin for error because you only play sixteen games. You can't just go. 
hey, we play 82 games. Hey, he had a bad 15 games. He'll be fine. We, just, yeah. we don't have that luxury. You can't you can't have a bad four games. <laughs> Not that can put you out. That can knock you out of the career. play. Exactly. That'll knock you out of the playoffs for sure. Or knock you out of a playoff game if that's the game you choose not to play well. Or out of employment. Yeah. Or out of employment. Exactly. All right, man. I think we covered everything, man. This was an awesome, awesome show, man. Thanks for, for your input. Like I said, you you I had a I have really no one to talk NFL football with. So you're you're my go-to dude. So it's always fun to talk with you on this stuff, man. And and uh again, before we get off though, I want you to uh tell everybody about your podcast. Yeah, it's Sports Car Unleashed. It can be found on Apple iTunes, anywhere you find podcasts, Facebooks. Um, tw- I don't know if we have Twitter because I, I I stopped doing Twitter. I can't do Twitter. But you have a Twitter, but I don't know how active you guys are on. I do follow you guys on Twitter. Okay, yeah, that Rich will put it on Twitter then because I know Rich is a lot more of the social media guy where I'm just – <laughs> for a guy on a podcast, I'm really bad at social media stuff. Hey, look, I was grateful you answered the Facebook DM. So, look, I know you're not a social media dude. So, when you answer my uh, Facebooks, I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I checked it that day. Um, but I'm glad I did because I, I love coming on and being able to talk with you about this. And uh, we went deep into it this year, didn't we? Yeah, no, that's why I wanted to know. I'm, I'm glad. We're about to hit two hours, and I'm, I have no problem with that. Uh, it's fun to talk to you about this. And, and with the with the stuff that's happened this offseason, like I said, this has been you know, between the quarterback shuffle, the coaching hires – my team winning the championship talking about your team talking about it's just the nfl is my favorite sport by far it always will be it always has been and this year is no exception even with the with the challenges of covid and 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 they were able the fact that they were able to play an entire season and get the super bowl on time is is pretty miraculous to me uh and other than a few outbreaks here and there they pretty much navigated the season and especially not being in a bubble is pretty impressive uh so i gotta give the nfl credit there and like i said it's my favorite sport i think they have some issues um, you know, the only thing we didn't get into this time, and I think I want to get into you, um, another time is unfortunately Vincent Jackson, the former Buccaneers receiver passed away yeah. uh, a couple of weeks ago. One of my favorite players, uh, great dude in the community, um, did a lot of stuff with military. Uh, I know his family donated his brain to the, um, to the university in Boston that does all the, the research on CTE, uh, other than the coaching hires, I am concerned about, about CTE. Uh, I think it is a issue that is still not getting enough attention. I, 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 these players uh, give up their bodies and I don't want to hear the shit about they make a lot of money. They know what they're getting into. That That's that's not good enough anymore. Um, this is uh, this has affected athletes all the way back to Mike Webster, the center for the Steelers in the 70s, um, who committed suicide. And he was and this was probably 15, 20 years ago. And I remember I remember reading the article about his depression and his issues that he was having. Um, he was living in his car, I think, at the end of his life. And I do think um, that was one of the earlier cases of, you know, CTE that we never knew about. So that's going back, you know, 20 or 30 years. I do think there's something that needs to be done about it. These guys uh, put their bodies on the line and I know they're highly compensated, but the fact of the matter is most of these guys aren't highly compensated. Uh, the average salary is, is, is a couple of hundred thousand dollars a year. These guys are not making millions of dollars. So I don't, I, that's why I reject that argument out of hand. Yeah, and it's, not and everybody it's, can buy a major league baseball team with their signing bonus. Exactly, and these and the, and the guys in the trenches, like I said, are, are important guys that 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 help win Super Bowls, that help win games, and these guys are the most susceptible. And look, and I can't even say that. I mean, Vincent Jackson was a wide receiver, but he suffered multiple concussions throughout his career, and um, it looks like um, he had some issues uh, either with alcoholism and depression. Um, and this is a guy, like I said, he was he was. Uh, grew up in a military family and did so much for the military in Tampa and in San Diego when he was playing there. Cause that's where he started his career before he came to Tampa as a free agent. So I was very sad, 38 years old. That shouldn't be happening to a 38 year old man. 
Uh, so it kind of breaks my heart. And, and, and I do think the NFL is, is, is got to step up here and figure out uh, how we can do. I know they're, they're trying to make the helmet safer, but like I said, that's a story that I don't want to go away. So that's um, maybe that's a topic for another time, but it just, uh, these guys, uh, you know, put their bodies on the line for our entertainment. And uh, I think they deserve better than what they're getting on this issue. Agreed. It's concussions hit home here. So it's, it's yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, it's been great, man. Uh, thank you for coming on. This has been great. This is going to be our annual NFL show. Hopefully every year will be as exciting as this off season. And again, listen to Chad's podcast, Sports uh, Sports Cars Unleashed. Uh, wherever you get podcasts, you will get great information. These guys are plugged in. I mean, they are plugged into the sport uh, like no other podcast you would listen to. So definitely check that out. And thanks again, buddy. I really appreciate it. Uh, anytime, man. I love having the chat with you. And man, your family. So anytime you need me, I'd love to come talk with you. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the show. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts or any other app, please take a moment to rate and review. This is a quick and easy way you can help the show attain a higher profile in searches when people are seeking out new podcasts. Another way you can help raise the profile of the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard or you think a friend might like it, is to share the episode on your social media. This is another easy way to help the show reach a wider audience. The podcast is available on the following apps. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and CastBox. The show is also available on both YouTube and Facebook. Episodes can also be downloaded directly from the website at www.letmebendyourear.com. If you want to email the show, the email is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening, and I hope everyone has a great week.